G'day, guys. What's going on? The vets is still working out his his scenery, but that's okay. That's all right. I'm obviously in a different scenery. Welcome, everyone, to the uh, Freshly Awakened podcast. Hopefully, we're having some technical uh, difficulties, so hopefully uh, the net's actually okay. Anyway, I'm I'm joined by a few people today, and 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 someone who's missing, but will come soon. Um, let me introduce the guest. So first of all, Mr. Evets, you've seen him before. You you know him. He's uh he's here again. We got uh Foxy Roxy down in the corner there. How you going, Roxy? Good. How are you guys? Very nice. Very nice. Very good. 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 And uh, then we've got Porkins over here. Can you guys see Porkins? I'm waving. I'm waving. He's waving. He's waving. <laughs> He's got that scowl, that uh, ever-present scowl on his face. But uh, yeah, we're still waiting for work. He uh, he had a bit of car trouble, um, a little bit of uh, maybe battery issues. We're not sure, but hopefully he's going to be here within the next five minutes. Um, just let me know in the chat if we're getting some lag, guys. I mean, it's not much I can do about it anyway. Okay, but today the topic of the podcast is. Um, Australia versus USA. It's a little bit, little bit tongue in cheek, a little bit mean. We're not actually like versing each other in in anything um, proper, what? but I'm out. <laughs> you know, sport. I guess yeah, every now yourself. and then. But uh, <laughs> we thought we'd talk about maybe some differences in in the culture and some differences in in uh, in the way we live, and uh, hopefully you guys find it interesting. But let's uh, let's hand over to the guests to do a little bit of an intro um, of who they are, maybe a little bit of uh, what they do, where they're from. Um, I'm going to start with Roxy because she's the, the newest one. Go for it, Roxy. Oh, that's what I figured. Okay. Uh, well, I'm Roxy. Hi. Um, I am originally from, born and raised in New York. Um, I was born in the city and then I was raised out in the suburbs of Long Island. Um, I lived there for all of my life up until three years ago. So October of 2016, um, when I moved to Columbus, Mississippi um, for a oh. job opportunity. Um, and that <clears throat> was a huge culture shock for me, which I was super excited when Fresh asked me to be a part of the podcast because I felt like there were a lot of things, I guess, relative to culture um, and relative to just my experiences in the last three years alone um, that would make this kind of exciting. So um, I am a head volleyball coach at a university here. Uh, this is my first head coaching job, so it's been a whirlwind. Um, but yeah, I was a student athlete um, at a college up in Buffalo, New York, where I graduated and got my bachelor's degree. As Mr. Evans said last time, nothing fancy, just a bachelor's in communications. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, that pretty much brings me to where I am today. So I Very guess nice. we'll uh, get to know more of me as we go along. Definitely. Um, just before we intro Porkins and Evans again, do you guys want to, should we, I can do a restart to, cause like we're like dropping like 50% of our frames. Would you like to do a restart to improve the live quality or should we just bank on the recording? Yes. I'm fine with restarting. I think it'll help, but yeah. yeah. For sure. All right. We might, we might give it a shot. Let's, let's give it a shot. All right, guys, we'll be back in like three minutes. We'll do a quick restart and then uh, see if we can work out the technical bugs. Be right back. BRB. <laughs> hey how you going sorry i'm late everybody and sorry for the uh technical difficulties um yeah i just so i was like grabbing some beers with some mates and uh and having dinner in subiaco and uh my car wouldn't start so that's that's the long and the short of it but um <laughs> yeah this has happened a couple of times where my like battery has died and uh it's this is the last time that it will happen 
<laughs> what I, do you like, mean it's the last it, time? It, it, it like, well, like it died, like it proper died this time. Oh, right. Not like, oh, I just need, oh. a, just need a little jump, you know? Um, but yeah, I like, I also had a huge party last night. So I was, you know, I'm, I'm, my mind's a little bit scattered. <laughs> and uh, I was like, I called RAC and I was like, yes, yeah, sweet. I'm waiting for RAC to get here. Um, they'll fix my car and I'll get on my way. And then Fresh pointed out to me that I have jumper leads in my car and I should just go and ask someone to like jump my car and i just didn't think about it i was like sitting in my car like freaking out that i was going to miss the podcast but yeah anyway irc came new battery bought cost me so much money oh so sad but anyway that's uh that's what we were doing um that's what i was doing instead of being on the podcast but uh yeah so we were doing intros right yeah yeah. we got through (laughs) roxy's intro you told us a little bit about yourself right yes just a little bit and i said Figure get to know me a little bit more as we go along. Yeah, nice. Mm-hmm. And uh, obviously, we all know Mr. Rivets, repeat repeat offender. Welcome back. <laughs> um, Thank you. Do you want to tell I us think. a little bit about yourself and what you're doing um, for those of you that haven't met you before? Uh, yeah, I'll be quick. Um, so I have lived in Michigan my whole life, um, just like in different areas of Michigan. I uh, went to school, got a bachelor's degree in philosophy. Um, and now I live in the same town that I went to college in, and I've got a whiny dog next to me. And I mean, that's that's basically all I have. Nice, very nice. And uh, last but not least, we have the big, the great Porkins. I don't know why I said the big. <laughs> <laughs> what a bad uh, dude! I was like, where is he going with those? Yeah, sorry. Um, the great. I meant to say the great. Hawkins, um, which most of the people, if you were around uh, Fresh's stream, oh then you know gosh. you know him pretty well. But um, do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself, Hawkins? Oh, you were going to call me the wide Hawkins. <laughs> yeah, no, that's what you would do. <laughs> yeah, my name's Hawkins. I don't stream um, and I don't intend on it, but I kind of know Fresh and Woke IRL. Um, sure do. And uh, I spent a couple of hours working on my uh, hair and makeup tonight, and then they. Uh, didn't put me live, so. How rude! <laughs> we, we looked at you. We, yeah, we, we took one look at you, and we were like, "Oh, mate, too or, or <laughs> Didn't want to be associated with my face, and that's okay. So. Hawkins told me he didn't have a camera for like two weeks, and then like one hour before this, is like, "Oh, wait, I do have a camera." <laughs> <laughs> it's like too late, oh, man. Goodness. Too late. Uh, uh, yeah. So, um, do we? Does everybody have their drinks? Oh, oh yes, absolutely. the beer review. Yeah, Man, I actually yeah. forgot beer about review. it, but I'm actually so I thirsty. Beer, beer review. Beer review. I'm lame and I'm skipping out on it. I drank <laughs> it much last night. Yeah, I actually drank so much last night and I actually <laughs> thought about skipping out on it. But oh, Your last know. night was an extra 12 hours longer ago than mine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, that's, true. I, I, that's true. That is so true. Um, but uh, yeah, do we want intro, to intro our drinks? Who, uh, Roxy, have you got something? I do actually. I ended up getting. I'll go first, I guess. Yeah, go for it. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I got a coffee milk stout, which I do like stout mm. beers. Um, and so this so is by Wiseacre Brewing Company, which is out of Memphis, Tennessee. Um, I've never tried it before, but I went to every time I went to a restaurant where they had pretty much a create your own six pack. Um, and this was on the shelf, but I was really nervous to try it. But I ended up buying a six-pack last night, so hopefully it's good. Otherwise, I'll be um, giving them away for free. But this is what the can looks like. Oh, that's very to get fancy. It down. 
Yeah. I'm yeah. having dog yes. issues. I'll be back in just like a it. second. No problem. No worries. Okay. Um, and so, yeah, coffee and milk stout is what I have this Sweet. morning. Damn, that sounds actually, I've never heard of that. Yeah. Um, coffee milk stout, but it sounds well, delicious. I was like, 8 a.m., what can I do? Because I'm not opposed to day drinking, yeah. but maybe not the hard stuff at 8 a.m. So, here oh, yeah, we are. definitely. Definitely. Yeah, nice. Definitely. So, oh, sounds good. Um, fresh, what have you got? Um, I went with, and I think you'll be excited about this one, the uh, beer farm. Oh, flip! I I swear I get a green one every time. It doesn't work, but uh, it's an it's a it's an IPL. It's an India Pale Lager, so not okay. an IPA. Um, Once again, okay. a beer I've never heard of. Yeah, weird. But um, I really like this brand beer farm. Um, and I liked their yeah. IPA when I did it. So give that IPL a go. You know. Nice. Um, Hawkins, what do you got? I'm actually. I just realised I don't have my beer here. I'm gonna go grab it from the fridge. Um, Porkins, what do you got for us? What do you got, Porkins? Uh, the, uh, the Colonial Brewing Company Small Ale. Oh, well yeah, done. Uh, yeah, nice. In my opinion, the, the best kind of mid-strength going around. So. Oh, is it really? Okay. You're a big fan. So you've already, you've already had this one. That's fine. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I've had it before. Repeat All offender. Right. Repeat offender. All right. Good to know. <laughs> Good to know. Well, I guess uh, until, until Woke comes back, we'll, we'll just... Oh, here we go. All right, work. Yeah, I'm here. I'm here. What Sorry, beer? Guys. What beer? Man, this is probably the most organized podcast. Mate, did you just um, crack your right. beer oh, before 100%. us? No, no, no. no. It was okay. in... I heard it. Oh, okay. All right. Oh. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, I've been eyeing this one off on the shelf at the store. Um, it's called Other Side. The, the, it's like a Fremantle. It's a West Australian beer. Um, from down in Fremantle, so very local, local born and bred. Uh, I was like, but I've been I've been eyeing it off on the shelf for ages, and I just haven't got around to trying it yet. But uh, it's called Other Side Anthem, and it's just an uh, IPA, Indian Pale Ale. So I don't know. There we go. That's a bit better. But yeah, <laughs> nice. nice artwork. I don't know. I, I really like the style, and it's local, so I thought I'd go with it. Um, but yeah, I've been pretty keen to try this for a while. So yeah, and uh, nice. yeah, this is gonna this is gonna hurt. <laughs> After how much I drank last night, this is gonna hurt me. But you know, oh, dude. doing it, doing it for the the beer review. Do it for the beer review. You got to You got right. it. So right. communal crack. Three, two, one, crack. Oh, yes. Nice. Okay. That's such a nice sound. It really is. Whoa. What are we gonna do if somebody brings a bottle one of these days? <laughs> uh, right. I mean, vibe did uh, very last time. Anticlimactic. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I feel like a bottle makes just yeah, as still nice a little bit of a. T- yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, cool. All right. Well, now that our beers are all introed, uh, let's uh, get into why we're here today. Bit of yeah. a bit of a chit chat. Um, we we were tossing up a few different things. Um, obviously having Foxy here. Sorry, Fo- Roxy here. Um, yeah, your Foxy's fine. Foxy or Foxy's Roxy? Fine, cool. Either mm-hmm. or. Um, we wanted to take advantage of the fact that she's American because there's a lot of I don't know. America is just so in the public eye. Um, especially at like, oh, I can't say for the rest of the world, but in Australia, like so much of our media coverage and so much of the stuff that we hear about trends that we pick up are all start from America. Mm. So, um, I, we thought it'd be very interesting, very interesting to just talk a little bit about the differences between Oz and, and, uh, uh, Australia and the USA and yeah, uh, mm. Like, uh, we, I mean, we put down here culturally, politically, economically, legally, mm. but, um, obviously none of us are experts. So, uh, yeah. And you, you play, you play a sports net, netball. No, 
netball. They don't have netball in the US, man. We talked about this. Like, they don't oh, we talked have... about this. Oh, wait. <laughs> yeah. Really? Oh. Yeah. Have you heard of netball, though, Roxy? Do you know what netball Never. is? Never. Not no, a, a day in my life. Crazy, crazy. <laughs> it, is, it is a vicious sport. It is, it is. We've, okay. let's, we've covered you... netball. <laughs> yeah. We've... Oh, okay. Well, you guys <laughs> we talked about this I'll look it up after. It's like basketball. Volleyball for me. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, obviously oh. one of the, we thought about talking about the differences in sports as well, but uh, your, yeah. you play some sports. What sports do you play? I did. Um, mm-hmm. I played volleyball predominantly um i played basketball for like maybe five minutes Mm. and then i hated it so i started to fall in love with volleyball more and more and for those that don't know i'm very tall for female i'm six foot three and so i get it all the time period Mm. yeah like so it was just like oh you have to play basketball you have to play basketball you have to play basketball (laughs) i was just not interested at all um but yes i played i started playing volleyball when i was seventh grader so i was about 13 14 nice. and uh and i played all the way up through high school and i got a full scholarship to play in college so that's wow. sick that is yeah. so cool um yeah you guys i mean from from my and everything that we're going to say today is like from our perspective obviously mm. i don't sure. live in the us so same vice versa mm-hmm. yeah um from my perspective you guys do sport so huge yeah yeah like, oh it's just crazy like like yeah. even like down to like the local levels, everything is like mm-hmm. just so much more money is put into it than mm-hmm. than in Australia. Like mm-hmm. when when we're talking like local levels and stuff like that, it's like in a gym yeah. and like there's no there's seating. Everybody's a few parents watching maybe, but like <laughs> <A few> parents, <laughs> nobody yeah. else watching. Yeah, nobody mm-hmm. nobody watches. Nobody cares. But you yeah. and like I just I don't know. Like, do you have any insight into why that is? Um, okay. I don't, honestly, I think it's just uh, for, at least for me, for volleyball itself, I think volleyball is a little bit different and my experience is only in volleyball. So it's a little harder, but Mm. sports like football, and maybe Evitz can speak more to this. I don't, not assuming that he likes football, but if he even (laughs) has any inkling, um, it, I think it's just the time, I guess, aspect that's put into, um, at least from a volleyball standpoint, you know, you play from the time you're so little and you play travel volleyball, which is like outside of your regular school season, you just travel to different places and play tougher teams. And there's just so much, honestly, so much money invested on the front end to actually participate in some of these sports that I feel like that's why it's made to, to be such a big deal um, when you actually get the chance to compete and play. But I don't know. I mean, I, I personally am very competitive, like extremely competitive. <laughs> um and my experiences and my, I guess, collegiate career, I think, especially contributed to that. And so um, for me, I'm just competitive in general, um, but that's what makes it for me so exciting and, and worth, I guess, <clears throat> making a big to-do about. Yeah, uh, fair um, enough. I don't follow the sports ball at all. <laughs> the sports, um, sports ball. <laughs> uh, I, I played soccer when I was younger or football, either way, uh, but not American football. The, the one where you kick the ball. But anyway, I played that when I was younger. <laughs> and uh, that was fun. But I stopped before I got into that, like the travel teams and all that. Um, I stopped in elementary school when I was like 10 or 11. And part of that was just moving around so much. Um, and then I swam for a year competitively and nice. also moved and went to a school that didn't have a pool. So no more swim team. Um, mm-hmm. But I think... 
I'm just taking a stab in the dark here, but I think a couple of the major reasons that like it's as big as it is, especially at the local level, like you were saying, mm. is because um, a lot of the time, not for everyone, but for a lot of those student athletes, that's the only way that their family can afford to send them to college. Mm. So, right. so for part of it, I think it's like push and push and push so you can see if you can earn your way into college by doing something else rather than having to pay the full price because yeah, right. college mm-hmm. prices here are so ridiculous, especially now. <laughs> wow. um, oh, and I, I think another part of it is just, I think our country has an addiction to competition. Mm. <laughs> so mm-hmm. when we can have these, like these, local competitions that can be really intense and everybody can get really excited about them, Mm. but there's not actually any violence associated most of the time. Um, Mm -hmm. Philadelphia is a whole different story. (laughs) Eagles fans (laughs) are fucking crazy. Sorry. (laughs) Um, But (laughs) that's just what I've heard. I haven't actually been there for any games or anything, but, uh, but like for high schools and colleges and everything, I think it's just, it's a way that you can, pick something to identify with and then cheer for those people and mm-hmm. like try and root them on as they're competing against somebody else. So I think, I think those might be part of the reason, but again, I'm just speculating here. Yeah. Probably like population density as well. Mm, like, like I, I, I only sure. really just yeah. thought about that. Yeah. Like um, you, we have like what, 22, 21 million in Australia and you guys are like, at like oh 350 million <laughs> wow. obviously it means that yeah. like when you're getting to like <laughs> local levels there's yeah. so much more population mm. density around those mm. local areas so you get more groundswell you get more support you get more people going attending events and looking for yes. things to entertain them um yeah what i was like, gonna yeah. say was actually relative to that with population wise i think yeah, right. um with all the cities and towns i mean there's just so many i mean so many small towns and small cities that maybe not all of those people, um, like Evan said, maybe they can't afford to send their kids to college, or maybe there's no, not an opportunity for them to enjoy um, like professional sports, like sports on a professional level, like mm-hmm. some other areas. So that you know ties into the more local, I guess, um, aspect. Yeah, whereas mm-hmm. in in Australia, we don't get like it, money until it's like proper pro level sport. There's like almost no money in it like no money put into it um and so so you get this like weird so like even so even for example for australian aussie rules football um you've got you you have so many tiers like everybody's still playing it you know like kids are playing it teenagers playing it there's local sporting events local teams and whatever but it's literally Mm -hmm. just family members that rock up no one else goes and sees Mm -hmm. those games um and And it's like even even up to like Waffle, which is like so Waffle is like the West Australian Football League, and that's where people like draft the pro teams, like draft picks kind of thing, um, mm. from. And uh, they even at Waffle level, you go to Waffle games, and there's not like that many people there mm. regularly, you know. And uh, yeah, it's so it's so weird to me. And I love yeah. I love the fact that you guys do everything so big and so. Yeah, crazy. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. We're so limited it's by our population here in everything. <laughs> yeah. It's um it's probably not it's not so much even the density, it's just the number of like semi dense, uh, I guess, cities in the mm. US. Um, yeah. And so, you know, 
all we have like what six or seven like big big cities or towns and all of them have a protein whereas in the u.s if you don't have a protein then you probably have a massive college team or something so they mm-hmm. have that that money flowing the whole way down the system where we don't necessarily have that yeah yeah and i think the the rivalry aspect too like just the rivalry in sports having more teams and and a denser i guess population creates more rivalries which just kind of deepens that i think that level of competition like right Mm -hmm. so it might be colleges or pro teams or what have you and that just i felt like that even attracts people more and more so that's a huge one i think too and you said you got a um full scholarship before for college yeah right so is that basically so that basically means uh, college is free for you while you're playing on the team yes yes um so i was basically the recruiting process and i do this now as as a college coach which is interesting Um, and obviously i I couldn't have known what that was going to be like when i was a student athlete um but i uh originally like i said i'm from new york and I got recruited by the coach at a school in Buffalo, which is about eight hour difference, still oh. in the same state of New York, yeah. but eight hours away. Oh. And um, and so I got recruited to play there, which basically meant I go to the campus, meet the coach, meet the team, um, possibly get to know a little bit more about the academics. And if it's a place that I feel like I could see myself, then they make me, well, they probably are making me an offer. I get to decide if I want to take it or not. <laughs> yeah. um, and so that again is honestly purely due to my exposure with volleyball. I mean, if it wasn't for volleyball, I probably would not have ended up there. Um, I may have gone to like a two-year school or something and, and who knows where I would have been. But um, but yes, so uh, that basically covered my tuition. It covered room and board, a meal plan. I mean, I, I had no, no, no debt out of college and I did not have to take out any student loans. So I was very, very Damn. thankful for that because That's huge. if it wasn't for that, my Jealous. mom, you know, mm. my, I mean, my mom was a single mom raising kids there was no way that i was going to be able to attend a four-year school on my own so Uh, i'm thankful yeah what the sport was able to bring bring to me i definitely hear that from like so many people in america that are just like the debt from Mm. like uni is just Mm -hmm. smothering like it smothers their lives it's it's, it's insane and and i the school that i went to probably would have cost me sixty five thousand dollars to go to a year Um, yeah for, for one year that's for one year yeah oh my and um and so one of my one of my buddies just to, to kind of wrap up on that point yeah he's um i mean he he finished his undergrad let's just say in maybe 2008 um and he is still paying his student loans off wow it's, I, like, it's insane if i can jump in here because i mm-hmm. am also still paying student loans um too, yeah i went to i went to a it's a state school so it's like publicly funded but it's not mm-hmm. one of like the big ones so like there's university of michigan michigan state those are like teams out of the whole country they're like 12 teams that are like the big teams that are on tv and everything i didn't mm-hmm. go to one of those schools i went to right. a state university yeah. where it was twenty thousand dollars for my first year because i lived mm-hmm. on campus in the dorms and like right. had a meal plan and everything um, sure. Once I moved off campus and I was just paying for just tuition by the semester, it was, uh, I think it was like eight grand for my second year and then like 10 grand each for the other two years. Mm-hmm. So I graduated with somewhere around $40,000 of debt for all four years, yeah, but right, right. it's not uncommon at all. Like if I had gone mm-hmm. to University of Michigan or yeah. like Michigan State or whatever, I probably would have graduated with six figures. Wow. Sure. So it's, yeah. it's, it's insane. It's really and they, insane. 
they have you sign up for these loans if you can't afford to pay it out of pocket yep. when you're 17 or 18. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. it's right. just and like you're making like a huge life decision that yeah. I feel like Mid you don't really. I mean, it's yeah, just like you don't realize. Yeah. How yeah. long yeah. that's gonna last? Yeah, no, 100%. Just... You have no concept that that age, really. Yeah, nah. You've never experienced what the real world is like. You, man, to make that kind I of mean, decision, you're yeah. likely going to be paying it off for longer than you have been alive when you sign the contract. What? <laughs> no, yeah. really, though, it's true. I mean, yeah, it's that's it's hectic. like a it's like a mortgage. It's like you're yeah. buying a house. Yeah. So compare that to Australia, mm. where, where we have... Well, even, I mean, ours used to be free. Like, my parents always talk about how they went to uni mm. for free, and they're like, oh, it's so silly now how you, you know, yeah, we have dad. to pay for uni at all. But all of our uni is um, covered by what's called HEX or help debts, uh, that the government basically gives you an interest-free loan to do all of your schooling. I think there's a limit, like wow. a 10-year limit. I've heard there's a 10-year study limit, but I feel like there's plenty of ways to get around that. Um, so you accumulate this loan and then um, it doesn't even come out until you earn a certain wage. Uh, once you earn a certain wow. amount of money, then you can start yeah. to, then then it starts to come come out of your wage basically. Or you can what go so overseas like and a, skip. <laughs> is it Apparently. like a tax that just gets like taken out of your wages? It's it's kind of up to you, I guess. You can, you can uh, so I choose, to, well, I used to, when I, before I paid it off, I used to, um, it used to take like a certain percentage out each paycheck and then and then it's gone but i paid mine off like okay. two months ago so woohoo yeah so <laughs> you can you can pretty much like a you tax can, yeah you can voluntarily contribute but yeah once you earn over a certain amount of money there's like a threshold and then you start then they'll start taking it out of your tax yeah or like at tax time you have to pay for it kind of thing but like basically it's a it's like a never-ending um like credit loan, loan. Credit, yeah. yeah loan that never doesn't have any interest on it like the it government does, literally it does have interest on it they have but, it does now yeah it does it, now oh, right. yeah but it's a low rate it's yeah, like yeah, basically yeah. inflation yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> um but porkins also like you can do what you did a little bit different didn't you yeah i just i worked like two three jobs the whole way through uni <laughs> so um i just paid mine all up front <laughs> So, is, that okay. is that something that you guys do in the US commonly as well? Like, or like work during uni or I, not? Yeah, I, I worked um, anywhere from 30 to 40 hours a week while I was in school. So, and, and that was like, that was covering my rent and my food that had nothing to do with covering tuition or anything. Mm. Yeah, right. right. And I suppose you were no. playing sport. <clears throat> yes. Nope. And that was, that was oh, what added, I guess, a different, um, different aspect, I guess, for me is, it's not that I'm, I guess, I'm naive to the struggle, but not naive to the fact that it exists, I guess, in terms of having to have to work to help pay for college or um, even not being able to afford now, to pay for were college. You, were you allowed yeah. to work while you were in college? Yes, but the problem okay. was, of course, is that honestly being a student athlete, mm. at least, and here's the other thing too, is um, that I played at Division One school. And so there's basically, of course, I mean, I'm not, Assuming that you guys understand this, but obviously in college sports, there's division one, two, and three. So at division one level, right. (laughs) So division one level is, is where, you know, I mean, all of your big, big schools like that are on TV playing college for football or even other sports. Um, they compete at a division one level. Now there's hundreds of division one schools. And so if, you know, there's a high level D one and low D one. So I played at a very like low level D one, even though it was still competitive. I mean, we, I only had about 3,500 kids that went to my college. It wasn't at all oh, wow. 
close to some of these other schools. Yeah, it was pretty small, uh, but it was still a Division One, um, which meant mm. that they could offer me a scholarship. But as you go down, if you go to Division Two, maybe they can't give a full scholarship. Mm, yeah. Some of them can, but yeah. uh, predominantly, it's it may just be partial academic, partial athletic. Um, mm. And then when you go to Division Three, which is actually the school that I'm at, is a Division Three, uh, is NCAA Division Three. They, I cannot offer any athletic scholarship at all. Uh-huh. Um, the only scholarships oh, wow. that are available okay. to the students are going to be academic. And the catch is basically, in general, at Division Three, whatever is available to a general student just trying to go to school has to be, I guess, has to be available to the athlete. But you can't give the athlete something that isn't generally available to the public, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, point is, uh, at Division One, really at any division, being a student athlete is really a 20-hour week commitment. And so when you're thinking about going to classes and then going to practice or competing in games and traveling for games, you really are basically, I mean, you're working and you're going to school. I mean, yeah. being a student athlete, in my opinion, mm-hmm. uh, was a job. It was a part-time yeah. job in mm. itself um, on top of being a full-time student. So. Did you, did, they, did you have like um, restrictions on your scholarship in terms of like you have to be even though you're playing sport, you have to be matching like a certain grade or something like that. Yeah. Oh yeah. So there's, there's academic expectations if you don't maintain a certain GPA and some other schools will do that. You know, if they're giving you part of their package might say, okay, you have to maintain a certain GPA, um, like your certain grade point average, or you have to, you know, like for almost any scholarship and any institution, you have to be enrolled full time as a student. If you fall below full time, like maybe you're only taking a certain number of hours of classes, you may not be eligible for that scholarship. So it's all very uh, dependent on mostly, I mean, driven by academics, obviously, which I think is important because you're you're essentially going to school to get a degree. Like most of these schools that are maybe bigger and at larger scale, um, arguably it becomes all about athletics and nothing mm. to do with academics. But for mm. me... As a student athlete, I was very driven academically um, after my freshman year when I learned that I had to be driven. (laughs) And even now as a coach, I hold my girls to a very, very um, strict standard in terms of academics because ultimately most of us are not going to play in pro level. Mm. We need to be able to graduate with a degree um, and Mm. be able to do something with that afterwards, I feel like. Um, I've seen Coach Carter. If you're starting college, your goal should be to graduate. No, you're fine. Um, (laughs) Do I think it's completely necessary to go to college? That might beg a different question. But Mm. if you're going to embark on the journey, you know, get a degree out of it. Yeah, yeah. 100%. There's no point in starting it if you're not going to. If not, it. and that's not everybody's path. I mean, that's not everybody's path. But for me, right, with my girls, right. they're coming and they want to. The thing is with the sport, and I hate to keep carrying on about it, but it's, um, in my opinion, and I, and I tell them this all the time. You know, recruiting campus that being able to participate in intercollegiate athletics is a privilege. It's not your mm-hmm. right. And so, mm-hmm. if you're going to be here, you're going to have expectations. And if you can't meet those expectations, then we'll have a conversation to see if this is this is the right fit for you. So, um, and I'm not willing to budge on that because it's part of kind of the, the foundation and the culture of the program that I'm trying to, to create. So, yeah. Do cool. you, I mean, you say that you hold them to a really high standard. Is it something like a career in sports? Uh, is that something that you would recommend to people? Um, I mean, obviously <laughs> you enjoy it, but like, I do. It, it, yeah. I mean, yeah. I'm just curious, um, like the... So it depends. I guess if you're, if you're, most of, like I said, most of the student athletes, at least at our level too, like for volleyball, 
and and I can speak, like I said, directly from volleyball. It is such a small, small percentage. There is such a small percentage of um, really professional level leagues that actually are worth the money um, mm-hmm. that volleyball just doesn't pay a lot at the professional level. It, it pays comfortable amount, but not in comparison to some of these other pro sports. Yeah, right. um, so with volleyball specific, you're already kind of below what um, I think the general, um, I guess, goal is. And so I don't know. It, it depends. For student athletes, I would say if they're, if they tell me when they're in <laughs> undergrad studies that they want to be a professional uh, athlete, I think that's great, but they need to become realistic. You know, they need to kind of see where they're at, what they need to do to get there. And if they are not able to seriously picture it, then they need to have a backup plan. And I'm mm. huge on that. But And from a coaching standpoint, it is stressful. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not yeah, going to lie. Definitely. So I have honestly been going back and forth about whether it is something I want to do forever or whether just finding mm. a different way to be involved with athletics is more something that's my speed but so it would be it'd be, be um <laughs> do you find it rewarding i can imagine um because you got it's a big responsibility um you've got young people there who are making huge life decisions and you can kind of guide them in that area so would it be rewarding it in that is. sense yeah it is definitely rewarding to see and and i think the hard part for me has been the cultural difference because geographically mm-hmm. i'm in an area that is just first of all not very good at volleyball at all uh, there's just not a lot of strong high school teams there's not a lot of strong there's not a lot of strong athletes in general right. i say a lot as in there are some but mm. you'll have to find them and they likely are already planning to go somewhere where volleyball or their sport is a little more competitive yeah yeah, yeah. um and i think just in general the uh what can I say? I think the sense of entitlement that I've come across in terms of some of the students that um, I've dealt with directly um, has been an exorbitant amount. Like I'm mm-hmm. surprised at the at the college level, like some of the parental involvement, um, just some of the lack of oh, willingness yeah. to work hard. It's just like it's I've had an astonishing amount of um I guess shock, shocking experiences with that thinking, okay, if I'm at the college level, that that's just not something I'm going to have to deal with. And I guess part of that is my own, like I said, naivety, but I've been working through that and just kind of figuring out, okay, what part of this is, is cultural? What part of it is geographical? What part of it is, I guess, cultural and um, generational maybe in the same terms, but yeah. So it's been, it's definitely rewarding when I can go through and I get those one or two kids that are in it for the long haul and they take, the information, the suggestions, the expectations I set forth, and they actually rise to the occasion. Those are definitely, definitely worth seeing through for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but lots of other stressors that <laughs> on top of that. So, oh yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, it's interesting. I, I actually, you, I forgot to say it earlier, but when you were mm-hmm. you were saying six three, I'm six three as well, and my entire cool. life I've got that basketball. Mm-hmm. Like, do you play basketball? Yeah. You play basketball? Yeah. Why aren't you playing basketball? It's, it's, so, it's so amazing. Cool. It's amazing. It's honestly one of my pet peeves. And it's not that I'm not <laughs> proud to be tall. When I was younger, yeah, I was awkward as hell. I was like a yeah. giraffe on ice. I just couldn't, I didn't have any body control, much like any other 14 year old. But yeah. as I got to get older and I realized that, that volleyball existed and that it was, it's, I mean, I love the sport to death. Um, it's just crazy to me how many people like, feel uh 
that it's okay, I guess, to bring yeah. that up and kind of push that on you. You know what I mean? Like, no, one hundred percent. Like, and, and even just the height thing. Oh my god, you are so tall. How tall are you? Like, it is. It just drives me insane, and I don't know why. <laughs> Some days I'm a little better about it than others, but there is no other physical attribute, in my opinion, that people are more willing to point out. Than yeah. how tall you are. It's because they're jealous, though. They're... It's it's totally. Yeah, it's, it's a jealousy thing. I'm so jealous of tall people. <laughs> the red hair. Yeah, yeah. 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 But I I, I yeah. always like all my, the rest of my family, like my extended family, my dad's side of family. My dad's like six two, and he's very quite small in his family. So everyone was like, "Oh, invest," because I play a lot of basketball. Like, invest in basketball, you'd be really tall. And then and then I never grew taller. So. Um, I was always like, I was so sad <laughs> when I was younger. I was like praying every night, please, Lord, make me taller. <laughs> Didn't work. Did not work. Yeah. Uh-uh. Um, and do you are, you, are you, do you coach like men's and women's or? No, just women's. Just yeah. Women's? Just women's. Okay. And, and actually the amount, so the college I went to, uh, most high schools do not have boys volleyball uh, and definitely at the collegiate level, it's a little more popular, but we did not have a male counterpart, I guess, if that makes sense for our sport. Um, and there's no men's volleyball around this area where I am. Uh, I, I say Mississippi as in just the state of Mississippi, um, not not going outside of that. Mm-hmm. As in, so there, is that because there's no like desire for it? Like, or there's no yeah. market for it? Like, this, guys this don't is not, play? yeah. No, not in this it's, area, at least. Um, in my, yeah, right. Go ahead. I feel like a lot of those sports get, like, no, I don't, those sports, a lot of sports in general just kind of get split up into this is a girl sport, this is a boy sport. And it's like that at the local level, at the, like, the elementary school level even. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, people get involved in football when they're, um, like, American football, when they're six seven and Mm. that's it's not girls because girls shouldn't get tackled yeah and it's from there it just kind of springs out so like guys play baseball girls play softball um guys play football girls play volleyball both will play basketball both will Mm -hmm. play soccer no one will go to and correct me if i'm wrong but from what Mm -hmm. i have gathered no one will go to the women's version if there is a men's version and it's really unfortunate Mm-hmm. And that's a, a lot of the popular, um, I guess with basketball, especially, it's very popular to do a double header, you know, or we'll have mm. a, your women's team will play first. Uh, and I've heard people say this, and I've seen it at, at our own institution. Uh, in Women's will play first, and that crowd will be more willing to stay for the men's game. And the goal mm. is to get more seat in the men's game at the later, later time. Oh, really? Um, yeah, right. It's kind of interesting, yeah. Um, yeah. But... Yeah. Well, at least, for, but for me, my standpoint in college, it wasn't just because we didn't have a men's volleyball team. I found mm. very like I felt there was equality across the, across the board in terms of sports. Like there was not any one sport that I felt like was treated any better. Now, at some schools, it definitely is that way. Mm-hmm. But I felt like our volleyball, you know, I felt extremely equal to that of all the other student athletes that were there. They they did a good job with that of that at my my institution. Nice. Undergraduate, um, that is. Obviously, I've I've seen it's been pretty big in the news recently, um, at least here in Australia, about um, like equality of pay in in sports and especially yeah. um, like with women, like women and men, equality of pay. Um, do you have any insights into that, or have you come across? Do you do you do you find in your experience that it's there is. I think something there the, that we need to address. Yes, yeah. Um, I don't know. I, 
the problem is for me, I've never, I have never worked at a, a division one institution, never even worked mm-hmm. at, Div- I've helped out at division two, but I think it also just varies from level to level. I mean, if you're a head women's coach at a division one institution, it's, you're probably, I mean, you're, you're, you're going to be three figures or six figures rather, excuse me. Um, and you're probably going to get additional perks on top of that, which is a, another thing that um, I think is pretty much available to men and women's coaches at that level. But from my standpoint, um, it's, it's not gonna, it's not gonna be, it's not gonna be too, it's not gonna be too disparaging in terms of gender. Um, I think it's just mostly going to be, like I said, that level, if you're a division one men's or women's volleyball coach, you're going to be getting six figures. You're going to be getting additional money and other perks on top of that that just might not be available at a lower level i guess if that mm, makes sense that's decent um, but definitely i think um player wise yeah yeah <laughs> the amount of actual head women's volleyball coaches that are women is ah. very small um, ah, right. so, and, yeah, and i think that that's just across the board mm. is that which is interesting do you, do you feel like that is um like something that is because i don't know you know the excuses for these kinds of things like mm-hmm. uh, that there's not enough women that want to be doing this job or there's mm-hmm. do you think it's something like that you can excuse away or do you think it's it's an it's a problem um i don't i don't know that it's really okay so from my experiences this is how i feel um mm. And it's it's unfortunate but i think it's true for some reason at least i found in in our sport girls or women that are at the college level, you know, at least say you have a team of 15 girls, they are likely going to respond much better to a male coach than they are to a, a women's coach. Oh, and interesting. with our sport in particular, that can get very frustrating <laughs> because mm. I am no less competitive or organized or respectable than a male head coach. But for some reason, I don't know why they just, a lot of girls, I, at least females that I've found at, at, at all levels, high school and college, they respond better to a male authority. Um, yeah. And so that, that's that been honestly super challenging for me in this position that I'm in now because, mm. um, number one, I am young uh, for a head coach. I just turned 27 at the end of May. And so um, I guess they look at it as me not being that much older than them sometimes, which yeah. – my experiences, I feel like, make me 10 years older than them. Yeah, you think um, they kind of think that you're their friend more than their coach. Sometimes. Or mm-hmm. on the opposite hand, they resent me sometimes because I did play at a higher level. And mm-hmm. it may seem like I'm just telling you what to do because I am telling you what to do. But, you know, it's almost <laughs> like they don't the understand. Does. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, yeah. But again, I think a big part of that is also geographical. Like, I can't stress that enough. The differences in the... Um, level of competition here in the deep south as opposed to where i'm from which is the northeast or even any anywhere else i feel like um <laughs> it's just crazy like the competitiveness um the desire to work hard and understanding that you're going to get what you put into it i felt like that just kind of missed the mark in the state um and some areas of surrounding states but it's crazy you can drive less than two hours and find like a completely different niche of like athletes and it's just it's just really been interesting to kind of go through and and learn as i've gone along because like i said i took this jump blindly i'm 18 hours from where i grew up driving in the car and it's just 
it's crazy to me to see the the differences just the in, cultural in state alone or in country yeah, yeah same country mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um sorry events uh, do you do you want to run bennett outside you said yeah i gotta pop away for a second he's just yeah. he's mm-hmm. been bugging me a lot yeah, um, no he, he got sick earlier that was my issue so i just want to make sure that doesn't happen again and we can just get back into this yeah so <laughs> okay, i'll be back <laughs> like five minutes cool. i'll be back no problems um yeah just back onto that um we you don't really see that in australia so i like we we have a similar landmass uh mm-hmm. to the us um but uh, sydney like literally across the other side of the country feels almost exactly the same to me when i go yeah. there, there mm. i i see little to no cultural differences yeah, yeah definitely wherever i go in australia there's like wow. it's very there's very slight ones you know like you can go to like coastal towns and it's like a little bit people are usually a little bit more chill um mm-hmm. or like smaller towns people are a bit more relaxed but like in sure. terms of the city the big cities and um my experience i haven't really seen much cultural difference across all of australia which is something that you guys have yeah and Uh, i i think that probably comes down to population density again you know oh yeah and just i mean um, have you spent much time in the northern territory me Mm -hmm. uh i've been there (laughs) but not a lot of time like a few days i think there's I think there are certainly your experience in the capital cities in Australia. I would completely agree that they have an incredibly similar culture, but I mm. think there are also parts of Australia which are probably less widely visited that have um, a very different culture. Okay. Mm. Okay. Fair enough. Fair Even enough. Uh, your suburb, you know, with all those hipster, hipster bearded redhead men. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's obviously like at obviously Edison, there's okay. differences yeah yeah no, general, no way near the scale that um it seems to be no America. nowhere yeah. near the scale like i can i can go to i can go down south and talk to people in a small wa town yeah and they are it feels like i'm just in australia yeah yeah, yeah. Definitely even if here. they're wearing hemp pants yeah well if they're wearing hemp pants i probably wouldn't talk to them uh, (laughs) what do you mean i've seen you wear hemp pants mate (laughs) um yeah that that that's very interesting i like i like i like the diversity that you guys have over Mm. in the u.s like just of of, like you were saying different cultures different people different places and it's just you've got yeah, I just find it so fascinating, the US. Mm-hmm. And I guess that's I kind of sometimes why. Sometimes it can be a really good thing, but sometimes a bad thing as well. Mm. I guess so. the, mm. the diversity or I guess vice versa. I think, I think I've talked about some of the ways that it can be negative. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it also can be really positive. I mean, it's when I got the call and got the offer to come to Mississippi, I was like, Mississippi, okay, what is in Mississippi? <laughs> and everybody I talked to in New York and all my family and friends are like, why why are you moving to Mississippi um yeah. but I was super excited at the opportunity that I had because where I am I've um I'm basically year one which was like I said 2016 I got hired um with the impression and understanding that I was going to have to rebuild a program essentially there was no program before I got here no volleyball program um, at mm-hmm. least for a 10 to 15 year break because there was a tornado that came through um the actual community here where i live and so it tore down a lot of the original athletic facilities so they discontinued athletics entirely at this university and so i was part of that rebuilding process and hearing that i mean obviously that was super appealing um to be able to get out of new york which surprisingly let's just say 
maybe Long Island itself, where I grew up, has a million people alone. Um, it was just like, I need to get out of there. <laughs> it was just <laughs> too much. Um, and I thought, okay, this is a huge jump, but it's a difference. And I, I'm willing and excited to get out there and see what I can do and what, what mm -hmm. it's all about. Um, yeah. And I have no overhead. I mean, I'm not married. I don't have kids. I have no reason why I shouldn't take some, you know, some level of a sacrifice there. So mm, risks. Yeah, I definitely see why some people were looking at me sideways when I said I was going to move. But um, <laughs> overall, it's been a huge uh, and wonderful learning experience for sure. Learning experience. Yeah. It's cool that you can um, do that, and it's and it's kind of different the place that you move. It's yeah, like we're saying, not not that much here. But I was actually just wondering it's if totally um, different. it's because we're such a young nation you know we've only what have we been around like a couple of hundred years basically so we don't i don't think we have an ingrained set culture so much we just have like this amalgamation of all these different people who've come in and um like i did some survey with my kids in class the other day and there was only one kid in the whole class whose grandparents were born in australia all the rest is like from everywhere so we just have wow. all these cultures wow. coming in and it's hard to have a like a set australian culture in a way i guess so that's you know i think i feel like it's kind of just like like that everywhere so don't have our oh, set yeah. way mm -hmm, for sure yeah um yeah we definitely we definitely have like a bit of a melting pot of cultures here and i think that is also that probably you know, like you said that kind of contributes to not having like yeah like an ingrained culture if you know what i mean that like gets passed on through generation to generation it like never changes or it becomes like yeah mm. wait mm -hmm. what am i saying yeah 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 I what you're saying. Yes. yeah yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah yeah definitely uh that's cool um we were sorry i want to go back to um sure. talking about um your kind of experience as a female in sports um mm -hmm. and yeah. the whole pay thing so i there was recently i saw an article that was done about um the pay of players in in sports and um uh. there was <laughs> there was do you do you like as head coach do you have um some sort of role to play in figuring out how much people get paid uh no so like i said at at this level that i'm at the students the, i guess student athletes uh do not get paid um okay. they if it, even for me as a student athlete if i um when i went to college like because i got a full scholarship i never saw a dime i mean that was mm. all just done on a scholarship that was really done on a federal level to some extent but then also just from a university and institutional level where yep. here's a set budget or set amount that's supposed to be dedicated for Roxanne scholarship and that gets allotted to admissions for tuition. It gets allotted to housing for room and board. It gets allotted to all the different departments. That is not something I ever luckily ever had to apply for, ever had to fill out. I mean, I had to fill out some forms and paperwork, obviously, but not not anything that kind of just said, oh yeah, here's the total amount that I would like to go to this and this and this. Um, and so Ah, yes, the argument and the question, and it's not, a, it's a good, healthy conversation I think, to have um, yeah. across the board. I had it when I was taking um, a sports and ethic class when I was a sophomore, um, mm. the second year in college, about whether or not student athletes should be paid mm. and, you know, whether or not that's an issue. And I mean, you can go back and forth and, and there's just so many different things to consider mm. when you're looking at something like that. Um, but, I see interesting yeah. issues with that. Uh, I, I'm pretty sure we talked about it before, Porkins, where um you have you have this like 
um, zero to hero. Um, we talk about the NBA all the time. So you have guys who, you know, they, they get in trouble if they sign sneaker deals and whatever um, when they're at the mm-hmm. college level. And then they go from there to millions of dollars and they just um, aren't able to manage that amount of money or, they it, you know, it seems like once they get out of there, they a lot of them go bankrupt and that because they've, they've got this, this zero to like a ridiculous amount of money. So it's a that seems like a problem in itself. And like, and you're saying that maybe it would be good for them to get paid just yeah, so maybe that so they, they can have some sort of money management skills. Yeah, I think oh yeah, like financial management's <laughs> pretty important. <laughs> so yeah, maybe yeah, if yeah. they if they had had wages there, I don't know. It it seems it seems crazy to me. I think I mean, there is I actually think, something yeah. like that. Um, yeah. because like if with a with a full ride scholarship, you're not managing any money uh in terms of like trying to you know like i'm not trying to be disparaging of athletes at all but i'm just saying yeah. if you're in that situation you, like you're not taking care of any of your own money He's ripping that on the point, sports ball guys from, get him <laughs> <laughs> aside from just like um day-to-day stuff where like you know you go out with your friends or whatever um or like if you go on vacation you go on a trip like obviously that's going to come out of your own pocket but mm. uh like Roxy was saying, like it's it's basically like having a job and going to school, but you're not getting paid for it. Mm. But somehow all your bills are taken care of. So then when you go out and like if you become a professional player and you start making all of these buttloads of money, mm. like you really don't have any experience at that point mm. with handling it. So yeah, I think there there definitely is something there. I'm gonna need a quantifiable amount for buttloads. Can you explain to me? Literal buttloads. Nice, nice. It just it comes in uh, bags that are shaped like butts. Yep, yep. <laughs> buttloads, loads of butts. Yep. Oh yeah. Um, actually, I wanted to ask about healthcare as well in in sport, and it's kind of it's on the, it's on the money topic, um, because yeah. uh, like in Australia we have um, like pretty incredible healthcare in terms of um, so like if I did my ACL or something, I'd be able to go and get it sorted pretty pretty easily. You know, there's maybe a bit of a wait or something. What's it like mm-hmm. there um, for like surgeries like that, or um, does everyone have to have private health? Otherwise, you're just screwed. Is that kind of the deal? Or? What do you do? Pretty much, in my from my understanding, and now so from a I guess like from a coaching standpoint for our institution, like here, and again, I keep just tying it back to my experiences here because it's the first up close look I've had. Mm. Um, you know, and, and and we'll go back to I guess the student athlete, you know, salary stuff later. But um, you know, I think right now there is for, through the NCAA every institution. Um, it, I mean, every student athlete is required to have some form of primary insurance. And mm-hmm. so if you don't have that, or if your parent, if let's say most of these students are still on their parents' insurance at that point, if their parents' insurance does not cover that deductible or meet that deductible, then you're going to have to pay for some form of blanket insurance from your institution or from the NCAA so that if you do get injured through a sport-related activity um, in the time that you're enrolled at that school, then it's covered. Um, mm-hmm. Now you can sign a waiver that says you don't want to do that. But of course, if you, I mean, I I know that if you, let's just say you go down, you tear your ACL, you break an ankle, something like that. I mean, you're going to be paying a lot of money for a surgery like that. But I think the good thing um, now, and I don't know how much this doesn't really guess answer the question of, of uh, 
money per se. But I think the good thing is that healthcare and sports have really become very symbiotic in terms of wanting to try to, I guess, create a, a an environment where sport is more um, the segue into healthcare and long-term healthcare and more like preventative and not mm-hmm. being, you know, hospitals and such are not really, they're more so, I guess, moving to health care, not mm. sick care. Yeah. And so you're trying to kind of take the illness and anxiety and all that stuff that's surrounded by going to the doctor and going to the hospital and kind of turn trying to turn it into a positive, if that makes sense. And mm. using sports is huge for that. Um, but in terms of the actual money aspect, I don't know if you had any experience with that, Evans. Mm. I don't. Um, yeah. I just. I was very blessed, knock on wood. I never got yeah. majorly injured. Yeah, well done. Yeah, Yeah, it's it's such a it's such an interesting one because like I feel like when you're especially if it's a very physically demanding thing like I know most jobs you have they're not like ridiculously physically demanding, whereas Mm -hmm. like sports it's like you put your like body on the line quite Mm -hmm. often in a lot of like contact sports and stuff like that, and obviously um, in American football there was like a couple of years ago that there's or like it's still an ongoing topic I guess about how people can get like messed up yeah like for oh, yeah. life playing that sport Absolutely. like a game you know for people's entertainment and enjoyment and where that like like where does the responsibility lie there is yeah i guess it's mm. yeah it's, i think it's it's like like i said i mean i think a part of it is also the training you know the coach's responsibility it's the train mm. you know the, the strength and conditioning coaches if there are any people that are in charge of helping these kids understand you know, what's, what's worth it when you're actually practicing competing, what's not, I mean, it's hard when you throw it into an actual game because that, that yeah. sense of competitiveness, just, it yeah. could be unlimited yeah, and these right. kids yeah. will do anything and everything to win. You want to win. Um, mm. Yeah. And I, I, I understand that. And even with volleyball, it's not a con, but I've seen a lot of it, you know, career ending injuries, um, yeah. concussions and things that you don't, you don't expect from a sport like volleyball because it is very low risk in mm. essence, but mm. um, they're still yeah. present. Yeah. And uh, if if these kids and I think it goes back to the conversation we were having earlier about um, these kids understanding that for most of them, professional is not going to be the end all be all. So when you're I'm not telling you don't go 110 percent, but you need to know your body, you need to get to know your body and you need to understand, Okay, if this is is something that I want to do for X amount of years, this is the preventative and healthcare steps I need to take to get there and, and stay at a level like peak performance, I guess, if that makes sense. Mm. Well, and, and I think like you were saying, there's, there's a big emphasis and you place a big emphasis in particular on um, maintaining that academic background mm-hmm. as well and making sure that you, you do have, I don't know, I don't want to call it a backup plan, but yeah. I mean, essentially, I guess that's what it is, but also yeah. like you can only play sports for so long. Like you can't, you can't be a professional. <laughs> most people, sorry, can't be a yes. professional athlete after they're about forty or so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And that's like that's like halfway through your life. Yeah. If mm-hmm. if you live a long, healthy life and everything, so yeah. you, like you've got to take care of your body, like you're saying, to make it to that point. But I mean, at a certain point, they're like, you have to stop, or you will get seriously injured. For most people, mm-hmm. so. And I think maybe even if it's not an ac- academic emphasis, like uh, an an educational emphasis right because when we talk about the student athletes and you know even i think that the decision to not pay students right not pay students that are in college um 
a salary for participating in sports is it, it kind of acknowledges the fact that they are amateurs. I mean, they're students that are participating at an, at a high level or mid level, low level of sports, and they shouldn't be paid an unlimited amount of <laughs> cash sums that's unrelated to education. I mean, yeah. it's just, in my opinion, anyway, I don't know. Hey, they don't on on, but yeah. Mm. So. I, I could go on and on about yeah. that, but I'll just leave that one alone for now. Porkins I, I is... definitely Sorry. see where you're coming from. Yeah. <laughs> Porkins is what? Uh, Porkins is a man Sleeping, who is, has been That's riddled true. riddled with injuries. Um, oh. So any any particular of those major ones that you had, Porkins, did uh, did you... Well, how was the, like, the healthcare? Because I, I assume, I feel like our healthcare is pretty much free. You get like most of your stuff done. So... Public healthcare is essentially free, but mm. public healthcare is quite slow. Yeah. So, um, but surely, I, like, because, like, I don't know if you want to go into specifics, but like big injuries that you need to fix right then. Yeah, you could be on crutches waiting four months, maybe. Well, with like a oh, with like an incredibly broken ankle. Damn. Yeah. So, so I, I had um I had surgery about two weeks after tearing my PCL. Um, mm but obviously privately and that's subsidized by mm. healthcare and all those sorts of things. But that was over 15 years ago. And that was at least, I think it was about nine grand out of pocket after insurance. So it's still, oh, you know, wow. Gee. still does some damage. And obviously now you can probably more than double that now. So, and that's under, that's I mean, under private. Yeah. But obviously yeah. that, so that's after insurance payments. So, so let's say, you, let's say you waited for public would have been, just a long way. I wait. think it would have been close to free. Yeah, yeah. But it would have been three or four months wait. Yeah. yeah. Um, but um, I couldn't walk. So that yeah. would have been an interesting three or four months. So. <laughs> yeah. Have yeah, you ever uh, hurt yourself playing sport, Fresh? Uh, yeah. I've got meniscal tears in both of my knees now. But um, nothing that's like, because um, I'm, I'm never going to be a pro, it's more like preserving myself for being very old. So basically, the way that they deal with <laughs> what I have is they just chop out your cartilage to um stop the cartilage from messing up the rest of your knees but then you have no cartilage so you get like really bad um arthritis when you get older so having some yeah. cartilage is better than no cartilage in, in my circumstance i just know i have to like play like maximum three times a week kind of thing and then i'm yeah won't get inflamed and did, you, did you not you weren't out of pocket at all for the no so stuff? um yeah. mris Doctor's appointments, uh, I suppose physio appointments. I have to, you have to pay for that. I mean, I, mean, I pay four dollars. Wait, yeah, four dollars a month. I think I pay for my physio healthcare, and that takes a bit off it. Um, but like, I don't know, appointments like maybe fifty bucks. And um, and other than that, yeah, all of the doctor stuff and all of the um, scans and everything is completely free. Nice. Um, so I think nice I missed though. most of this conversation because um, I was with my daughter, but. Um, on the paying student athletes thing, I think there's yeah. just mm. such a, um, what's the word? The disparity between like, um, uh, institutions. So you have those yes. like massive D one schools and they're doing like, like Alabama or something that's playing like football and, you know, they're making a hundred million dollars a year or whatever mm -hmm. it is out of it. And then. Um, you know, you've got Duke or UNC or whatever in the basketball. These athletes are generating enormous revenues for their schools. <laughs> yes. yeah. And then yes. you have other D1 schools which are not in that conversation. So, yeah. I right. mean, it's just really hard to draw the line because some of these guys at D, like the really, really big D1 schools at UCLA or something like that, they are bringing in 
you know, millions and millions of dollars and not getting any any funding. Money. Wow, um, that's crazy. But on the other hand, obviously, as we were talking about, Roxy was saying earlier, like, you know, it could be like $60,000 a year that they are in some ways receiving an education and they oh, have the opportunity again, yeah. if they take it. And I just saw somebody mm-hmm. saying in the comments like, oh, yeah, but Lamelo's coming to Australia to play basketball. <laughs> and I get it. Like, and they're coming yeah. here. They're not getting paid great. It's like 80 grand or something. So, you know, right. but it's mm-hmm. compared to not getting paid in the US, it's a lot. Um, mm-hmm. But yes. you could, if you were like realistic, and maybe Lamelo has a chance, maybe he doesn't. But if you're realistic and realize that you have the opportunity to do a free education, you're not paying off for the next 15 years. Yeah, that's you know, that's where it comes. That's where yeah. the value yeah. comes. But in. it depends um, on you know your school you're at, like, mm-hmm. and your kind of worth going forward. And maybe people like Lamelo just actually are coming to Australia because they couldn't actually make the GPA requirements, <laughs> and they're not quite good enough for their athletic director to fudge the results. So mm. exactly, yeah. Or um, maybe he just no. wanted to go to Australia. Uh, yeah, and and uh, we just can't wait to have him <laughs> spreading the big baller brand. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. So it's just a really complicated question that has a lot of gradients and um, yeah, they just draw the line. And yeah, okay, yeah. at the moment, it's having a massive benefit to some of these schools. And I saw someone earlier like, oh, yeah, LSU just spent like $30 million on a new football stadium, but they're not fixing the library. And that, you know right. what, that's bad. Mm. But guess right. what? May fund their library next year. Mm. It's probably their football, football program. Stadium. So, like, it is kind of it's one of those things, and it's like everything fresh we talk about. But it's like a zero sum game. Yeah, and mm-hmm. you know, you got sometimes it's an investment for the future. Sometimes it's and there's no easy answer. But, mm. but, yeah, but then yeah. you've also got the the like the flip side of, of the conversation where, you, or like, not really the flip side, but um, where if they're making so much money off these guys, surely some sort of compensation is in order. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. Well, and I think the argument is that the the scholarship is the compensation, but right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the scholarship at the top schools is it. not comparable to what they're bringing in. But at the it's at the not. lower end D one schools, it, it probably is more than they're bringing in. Mm-hmm. So it's kind right. of like it's just. And then really what do you hard. do? Yeah. You know, do you yeah. the 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 pros are obviously yes that they are they would be constant compensated for the labor and in comparison to the revenue. But then how do you how do you determine that compensation? How well, will and they also, be compensated? You know, does each player receive the same amount? Do the top level athletes receive the same as those that you know? Um, should they receive more if they're all American? You know, it's all all sorts of things that it's just like mm. in theory, I think it would be it would bring more problems initially between players, you know, if maybe one's receiving more money and of course it takes out if these players are going with a pro mindset, then it kind of takes out that amateurism, competitive nature, and passion for the game. You know, maybe they'll lose that yeah. and be yeah, traded for players that are just, yeah. So, and then, like Porkins was saying, like, but I agree with Porkins. Sorry to interrupt again. Like, it's just there's so many. I mean, for every positive, there's a negative, mm-hmm. and I don't yep. think that anybody is qualified to kind of any one person or one board of people Mm. are qualified to kind of make that decision right now and i was just going to add on to what perkins was saying about like the disparity in bigger schools versus smaller schools um if you do allow student athletes to be paid then Uh, like you can just pay six figures to all of their players and get all of the best Mm -hmm. players and then they're going to duke because they're getting more money not necessarily because that has a good program and whatever they want to go to school. And, yeah, yeah. And also, like, the, it just it ruins the ability to have these 
truly competitive teams with people all over the place. They, mm. They'll all just get concentrated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. Well, I don't know, it's already things, very yeah. concentrated, but um, <laughs> yeah. what, I, what I would <laughs> like to see is, you know, something like, I don't know, 20 grand a year or something where you'd be able to help with their just day-to-day -day living. I mean, yeah, that's sure. the kind of thing Send that ends up having home. people like right. signing their jersey and selling it and then losing their amateur status, you know, that kind of sure. stuff, which yeah. is just a bit stupid, that kind of baseline living costs. We're not talking 100 grand and we're talking a fixed mm -hmm. number, you know, but sure. yeah. To one. cover living expenses and whatnot. Yeah. So, interesting. interesting. So, how do you guys feel about the change? Um, just kind of tying this back into video games, mm. uh, where recently they stopped allowing NCA, or I'm sorry, NCAA um, team games. Like, so, like, you can't buy college sports teams games anymore. It's all pro teams because there was the representation of these student athletes who were receiving no compensation. What do you mean by buy game? Sorry, like as in footage of the game? So, no, no, no. So like, um, like if they have NFL, you used to be able like to buy Madden like an, or... yeah, so you can, so you can still buy Madden. Um, mm -hmm. You can't yeah. buy like NCAA football 2018. It's just not a thing because uh, yeah. in recent years, they have realized that like EA is making millions and millions of dollars selling the likenesses of these student athletes who are not seeing a penny from mm. it and are are they do any compensation from that because that has nothing to do with the educational aspect of it that's mm. an entirely different thing where their their image is being licensed on their behalf interesting but they get no compensation for it, it and like it's a... it's gone away at this point now all right but for They're a while figuring... that was that was the thing it seems like so a weird all, fix to it. <laughs> they, they never had any names or anything there, so it was always a bit of a tenuous line. Right? It was, yeah. You know, same number, similar likeness, mm. but didn't look identical. It seems like a weird Hard, fix to it, though. Why, why wouldn't they just decide to, just to pay them? just deal with it, yeah. Um, and also, then, when do you draw the line with... Um, so, we broadcast NCAA games, don't we? And they, do they, they don't see any profits for that. So I wonder why they chose no. the game for it to be a, like a standing point. Yeah. Too much money to be lost on the TV to get rid of it. Yeah. Doggo just came to say good morning. Hey, what's your doggo's name? Simon. Simon. Hi, Simon. That's a very mature name for a dog. Yeah, I know. a lot of dogs called Simon. Yeah. Because he sounds like he's an accountant. And Bennett as well. Simon and Bennett. That's that's two. Those are people's names. What are you guys doing? Your dog's pink. Oh, wait. No, that's a human too. Wait, what, is, what is your dog called, Fresh? Mine's uh, Podrick. Podrick. Mm. That's a human name. I mean, technically, nah. but it's a Game of Thrones name. <laughs> They're not people, really. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How dare you? Well, I saw Foxy as well um, that you put down that you wanted to talk about um, your experiences as a female head coach, head coach in relation sure. to ethnicity? Uh, yeah, no, not majorly, but I just, I thought if we were talking about kind of just in general as a female mm -hmm. and also being Hispanic on top of that, you know, mm -hmm. it's, uh, that, that percentage is very small. <laughs> so, uh, mm -hmm. it just kind of ties into what we were talking about earlier. And I, I, especially in this area, and I hate to keep talking about, yeah. um, 
you know, just the disparity between North and South here, just within the U.S., right? But it is definitely still prevalent. And yeah. I think... Um, Have very, you learned very, in recent uh, years yeah. any increase in that or, like, any pushback based on ethnicity or anything or not in particular? Um, not I'm just thinking, like, no. with the political think... spectrum the way it is, I don't know if that affects oh, yeah. the college scene no. as much. No, definitely okay. not. Um, <laughs> and, and even in this area, whole it's very hush hush um the people still have their opinions and the people still wave their flags and do what they do but it's not it's not discussed it's not spoken about which is a you know i guess a positivity in terms of having something like this where you kind of are having those conversations that are not being had mm. on the internet um or even in general but it's uh it's, it's sorry, not you said... it's not as prevalent you said wave their flags as in oh yeah like, so like down here Flags? Is that right? Yes, yes, that is a a major thing um, here in history knowledge. (laughs) Yes, yes, good job. Actually, it's ironic because oh, my mom would kill me, but I'm just going to tell the story. So, leap names out of it. But she recently, uh, my mom is like I said, she's been single mom for all of our lives basically, and she recently started dating. So she meets this young man, and he's got. Uh, a giant confederate flag tattoo <laughs> oh wow oh, that's wow. that must be the equivalent of the okay. southern cross tattoo in, in australia <laughs> nah i think, nah, I think that's, that's worse that's worse now here's the thing here's the thing okay because initially that's my reaction I moved- yeah. wow yeah. there is a confederate flag next to an american flag how the hell does that work yeah um, great <laughs> but so i've realized for people here at least and i don't necessarily understand it and i'm not a big history buff but i can I can see and gather, I guess, that for some Southern Americans, deep Southern Americans, that is essentially a, I don't even know, a a, a rite of pride, just like the American flag is for some of us. And it doesn't make sense to me. Definitely Mm, doesn't. But it doesn't have all of its, you know, every last bit of the negative aspect of that time era. It's Mm. not all... I guess from people's point of view that actually have that flag out front of their yard or in the back of their car for them, it's like, it's a sense of pride and I don't, I don't see it. I don't understand it, but I also don't have all the knowledge and understandings to, to judge either, I guess. So, so do you mean that they, instead of like, I I mean, it's been a long time, obviously since, um, since, since the war, the civil war. Uh, It's a civil war. Do you, are you, you mean that like it's kind of it's lost that negative connotation of being like, well, these guys were basically fighting um, like slavery for, for slavery. Yeah, and, yeah. And I don't think it's lost. lost. Yeah, I think for, for no, okay. I think for some it's just an ignorance. Like they, they it's not. Yeah, and maybe it's not an ignorance. It's just the choice that they say. Okay, this is from whatever. This is just like the, like I'm not even joking. There are many people here that have the American flag next to the Confederate flag, hanging mm, outside their front yard. And so for them, they may not see it as having as much meaning in history based on the negative and the, you know, all the negative aspects that came out of it as much as it was just, uh, yeah. I see, um, at times. This is my local flag. flag. Yeah, regional. I see similarities with that in like, um, in gaming where, um, people dress up as their favorite character and that character, um, happens to be black, but they don't understand the history of, um, like painting their face black and that kind of thing. And they're, and they, they're probably not actually racist people, but um, mm, yes. they, they just like, yeah. they, they, they do that. And then, and then they don't understand. They're like, Oh, why would people, you know, I'm just playing, playing my favorite character <laughs> and, and like nobody's educated them on the history of it. So yeah. It's a, sure. it's a, yeah. A, a yeah don't get me wrong. I think there are definitely people that still 
have that mentality. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. probably well, majority, but yeah. then there's very but, small percentage. I think that just don't, they don't yeah. view it in that way. I, yeah. I, I know someone, and, um, in real life who, who's done that, who we were doing a, going to a dress up party. I think I was like 19 or 20 mm. and, um, he, well, I can't remember what he was doing. Maybe it was like men in black. Oh yeah. And when it's Will Smith. Yeah, and there was two. Are we talking about Fresh? This was not me. This was like his. I have been educated. And like, but like, even then, like, I didn't, I didn't know really, you know, and I didn't think about it at all. And literally at the party, nobody said anything because it was like not. I, I, I guess, like, we really didn't really, yeah, we weren't aware, you know what I mean. Which is mm-hmm. weird to think about yep. because I feel like Wait, I'm. <laughs> question about that: Were there any people of color at the party, or was it just yeah, yeah, all white yeah. people? Was it? Oh, yeah. All right, and There's still, and still nobody said. It. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, like literally <laughs> nobody. I mean, I, know, I can imagine that being very daunting to do. Um, <laughs> right. Yeah. If you're especially like, in social situation <laughs> at that age, uh, Caucasians were the majority of, of the party. Yeah. Um, yeah. Right. Yeah. And like, I, I can't imagine wanting to do that if if I was ethnic. Yeah. Be a horrible right. Thing to, have to confront you know um so it's possible that they were upset and offended in fact they probably were but yeah it's just it's so weird but Mm. so weird that you can just be unaware and we talked a bit about last time how um like the left are often very politically dumb um and like i say that being being fairly (laughs) left as well so i I like i'm dissing myself but um they and and they'll they'll go ham on like destroying this person who's dressed in blackface when they have no idea about it and then that creates the whole negativity where um this person's like well i didn't i didn't know why you're being so mean to me that's it i'm gonna do it more or whatever so there has to be Mm -hmm. like calm and educational conversation about those things most of the time gotta gotta leave room for growth Mm. yeah definitely um we obviously uh in australia have a little bit of a problem with um our like aboriginal relationship at the moment and I know that that uh, just to kind of like segue into that because I really want to talk about um, the difference between Australian and um, American America in terms of their native peoples. Do you guys have much experience with Native Americans and and what's going on there? Um, a little bit here and there personally, but not a whole lot. I don't know yeah. if Roxy has any more. Uh, same here. Um, you know, in uh, Long Island, where I'm from, uh, there's quite a few reserves, like Indian reserves still. Um, mm-hmm. And I think at this point, it's just, I I, I haven't had very, that much experience with it. Yeah, I mean, right. I know that there are, you know, um, kind of unspoken, you know, respect and, and rules and regulations and that we obviously need to abide by, at least from that standpoint mm-hmm. on Long Island, especially. But um, mm-hmm. other than that, not very much, to be honest. Um, so one thing that came up recently, uh, as far as, I guess, relations between the government and like the people who have all of the money in America and indigenous people, uh, a couple of years ago, there was a whole big thing about uh, an oil pipeline that was going through the Dakotas, uh, the states, North and South Dakota, and it was going through an area that was part of a reservation, um, mm-hmm. like a, an Indian reservation that was, or Native American reservation, however we were phrasing it now. 
um that was like those are set up as places that are sovereign lands like they're not governed by u.s law at all um but they're supposed to just be for those people and this is like we took everything else but we'll we'll let you have this still <laughs> and then yeah it's yeah. kind of our, it's yeah. <laughs> it's slowly becoming like over time uh well you can't have that anymore because we we need it for this mm. and like the big resistance mm. was we don't want this oil pipeline running over our land because if it like if it leaks if there's an oil spill mm. then our land is ruined but yeah, also yeah. the water yeah. source that like carries water to everyone south of us is also ruined mm -hmm. so there was a big pushback for that and they were saying don't put this on a, our land we made an agreement with your government mm -hmm. like decades or centuries ago saying this is ours and we don't want it here and mm -hmm. guess where that pipeline went yeah, right, right through there mm. so yeah. yeah i remember i remember hearing a little bit about the i think it was about two years in the, three. the pipeline and stuff like that yeah, yeah. um do you... and then there there was an oil spill in that area, not that specific area, but like less than 40 miles from there, yeah. uh, like within six stuff. months. Wow. Yeah. And oil, wow. oil companies are like, oh my goodness. Like, I heard about that. Ugh, yuck. Do you, but anyway, sorry, not to get sidetracked. I was about to go off on another tangent, but. Um, <laughs> about you, oil. Yeah, about oil. <laughs> That's <Sure>. next podcast. <laughs> yeah. Um, that, I'll hop um, in for that gladly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, do you. Um, so obviously the reservation thing is not like it's not something that we've like australia it's not a path that we really went down there is still like aboriginal like owned lands but for the most part we we don't have a system like that do you think it is because you obviously mentioned there that it's like they're saying that they want to just build stuff through there and they're doing it anyway is that like do you think it's a positive thing that they have like their own lands still around or like would it have been I, just better for it to be like huh well jokes you're conquered get good uh i think the former <laughs> rather than the latter <laughs> um no because like I, what, I'm, what i'm saying is like they were like i mean it was essentially like an invasion right when and when you think of it like that surely it's better to be like to to be like okay like it was hor it was horrible but we we did it and we we conquered you basically and now we are one society or is it better to go like we are a split society sharing land you know what i mean i think because of the history and because of what happened and it there was a lot of during the conquering era if you want to call it that there was a lot of just eradication of natives from the area. And I mean, if you're at war, that's going to happen, but, um, it's, there's, there's so many issues there that like, it seems like the least that we can do is allow them to have some space where they can choose to not be part of our society if they don't want to. But that said, <laughs> A lot of a lot of people grow up on reservations and leave. A lot of people grow up outside of reservations and then go to them later. So yeah. it, I think it's nice to have that that area where they can maintain their own um, cultural independence. Um, but it's also nice to have it worked into the into the rest of society as well. Mm, okay. So I don't know. I guess I have mixed feelings about it. But I don't know how I much you know. guys know about the um, Australia's history. 
but um I don't it's, know it's pretty bad okay so we um i mean and i feel like uh maybe you guys have won competitiveness uh, i feel like we won healthcare <laughs> <laughs> so so yeah, all right we're, we're at colonization now um and, the, and i mean to be fair both of our histories are not great in this area so um yeah ours was either it was it was basically a genocide with um in certain areas where um like we have a little island called tasmania off the coast and, and just the whole indigenous population was just wiped out completely and then most of the other places it's it's similar stories or just um crazy segregation and we have a we call it the stolen generation where um there's a whole um i mean it's probably more than a generation of people but they their their entire livelihoods was um stolen and um the attempt there was many attempts to to breed out the population um when we first came here um it wasn't until the it was 19 it was 1969 maybe 1967 when um they were allowed to they were classified as people and um put into the like population counting and able to vote um by about the 80s um so we it, it hasn't been long um since we've been in like a terrible terrible place so um where i mean i feel like we've got similarish histories but ours is just like it's just so recent. Oh that's so short. Yeah. Because yeah. that's, you know, eight, I, 80s is like like my parents almost or like yeah, people's right. grandparents um, in yeah, this stolen right. generation. So recent. Yeah. Um, I, I, I find that the way that I kind of like think about it, it it's kind of weird because like obviously there have been wars and there's been conquering peoples throughout history. I mean, the right. Roman Empire like went through and like wiped out like heaps of celtic nations and all this kind of stuff but i think that australia was the last one where I, that i kind of know of that was like relatively accepted by the world it, it like kind of it, it wigs me out that like mm. the rest of the world was actually kind of fine with <laughs> not that long ago like uh, yeah. england coming in and essentially like genociding or like trying mm. to for uh, like the black people that were living here and like whereas and i think that that's why um as happened in new zealand as well but like new zealand australia and america we're all in this like we all did it in this weird time frame where it was like kind of becoming not acceptable to do that anymore and the rest of the world was looking at it kind of badly and so instead of us just coming in and going like lol we're here now um like it's our land we've got this we're in this gray area where we have to where we need we're trying to encompass the like we're trying to mix the cultures and and because the rest of the world kind of put the pressure on us or like on the nation because they were like oh it's kind of not acceptable to do that anymore <laughs> um like what are you doing so we kind of like if i i do you know what i'm trying to say yeah um, I, well yeah. i think you can kind of see that in other places like um in South Africa, like in the eighties, nineties, yeah. like the no, end of the party there, and then I mean, even in America, like until the sixties, like that's when the civil rights movement was for mm. basically anybody who wasn't white. Mm. Um, and again, like slavery ended in the eighteen hundreds, but like you were saying about like the, the stolen generation and your parents and like your grandparents were mm. there and aware of that. Uh, the same thing is true for, like, I don't know, I don't know if my parents are quite old enough. My dad was born in 60, my mom in 62. 
so they were pretty young when that was going on but like my grandparents definitely remember that time mm. when like segregation was a hundred percent still a thing and it mm. was not okay for like like interracial couples were not a thing that would have been okay yeah. at all yeah yeah um, and that was you know that was when our parents were alive so it's mm. it's I think we've all been a little bit slow to the party. Yeah, it's I true. Guess, it's true. In ways, it's but yeah. um, it is interesting to like consider the fact that Australia was. I mean, when did when did colonization start? Eighteen, like as a penal colony. Um, hundred something. Yeah, it was, so basically they've been two hundred and what two hundred and two hundred and twenty-ish years. Okay. So, okay. so I mean, in terms of like world conquest and whatever, that's still fairly recent. Oh yeah. So it yeah. it is an interesting thing to think about that yeah. was still i think that's what you're saying I, work I it's, guess it's just so ridiculously so recent basically yes. yeah, yeah. even ridicul- like ridiculously recent in the scale of the world the world because <laughs> we yeah. were we were alive when um was it it was like 2008 when that was our government officially recognizing um the, like, the sorry day we're bad. sorry yeah. we did something bad to your culture that's like Oh yeah, that what, ten happen, years yeah. ago. Like, here's a fruit basket. Crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> but then, then you've also got the flip side of it is like, well, how do you make it right? Mm, you know, yeah, like great you, question. I don't think that I don't think yeah. there's any, I don't think there's anything that you could possibly do that could mm. even come close to just compensation for, mm. like, mm. R- almost wiping out someone's culture. You know, yeah, and it, yeah, which is it's really, really hard to make up for genocide. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I know yeah. in America um, that uh, they have a um, is it called affirmative action? Is the um, like um, in terms yeah. of so that's is that a, a, a can you explain that program to me because I'm not 100% on it? It's like a um, reconciliation kind of thing. It's, I don't know, Roxy, you might know more about this than me being uh, like involved with college. Because I don't know if that plays in there so much or not. A little bit, but not not a ton. But you can not go ahead and I'll, okay. I'll piggyback. Um, so the I think the idea behind affirmative action is that um, these people today, like we're recognizing that what we did to people of color was wrong previously. So that puts these people today in a disadvantaged position. There's the whole white privilege thing. Mm. Um, so like we might, I might have a hard life and uh, an African-American person might have a hard life, but they're going to have to deal with things that I will never have to deal with as part of the hard parts of my life. So um, coming from a place where, you know, you don't have the best schools necessarily uh, and you're trying to get into a college, um, affirmative action is there to try and encourage diversity and look past some of the differences so like Mm. maybe there are two people who are applying for the same scholarship to go to college Mm. um a person of color who doesn't have quite as good a gpa but they're pushing themselves um might get in line ahead of someone who's white who has a slightly better gpa and is also pushing themselves but has had an advantage from day one Okay. So um, it has to do with like school admissions uh, yeah. more than anything that I can really think of um, yeah, and I, like making sure that it's not just the upper class staying the upper class, I guess, mm-hmm. or like the people mm-hmm. who are ahead are staying ahead. Mm. Yeah, that's Ratsy. pretty much on point. That's pretty much, I mean, it, it's, I guess like, I don't notice a big uh, 
application of it here, but it is basically a policy mm-hmm. that improves educational opportunities, I guess, for minority groups. Mm-hmm. Um, and it doesn't have to be, it can be race, it could be your origin, it could be okay. economics, you know, status. So um, it just further kind of emphasizes that need for, for equal opportunity. Um, okay. And it's definitely, so, I think, it, probably more prevalent in higher, excuse me, higher uh, education, like mm. admissions. And was there okay. something about um, what Asian Americans were suing a particular... Um, Harvard? Uh, Harvard. Harvard. That was yeah. insane. I, I believe it was Harvard. Yeah. And yeah, that's, it, and, and I, I think from what I read, that was because of... Um, affirmative yeah, so action. I yeah. think that basically they, they were like um, making it... They were doing basically the opposite. They were the, mm-hmm. the, the affirmative action it's, thing. They were making yeah. it harder. Like yeah. they were setting a higher standard discriminating mm-hmm. against Asian peoples mm. to be like, because there was so many of them that mm. were with high IQs and going, yeah. like everybody else being like neat, wanting to go there. They mm. would have, their university would have just become like Asian basically. Mm. Um, right. And so they started being like, we need to limit the amount of Asians that we allow to come here. And the way we do that is by holding Asian people to a higher standard than other people. And that is just or I think it's ridiculous. Yeah, it well, is. It really is. And I think same... it's just I think it's just that their the policies are, are kind of, you know, and we're just gonna say this and speak very candidly. Obviously we're all very open minded people, but it's mm-hmm. kind of like the idea is is um Asian Asian American students or groups kind of wanting to dismantle that policy because they felt or feel, or maybe there are other groups as well, not just Asian Americans feel that it's really aimed at helping African Americans and Latino Mm -hmm. students. Mm -hmm. I mean, that that's like, you don't think about, not that you don't, but you know, maybe they're, they they don't, they weren't necessarily seeing themselves fit in or like I've said, Mm -hmm. it was just like uh, that they're most Asian Americans do support affirmative action, I think, overall, but that was against Harvard specifically. Like they were, yeah, they were just oh, okay. against them. Particular. Yeah, right. Okay. So wait, so but, you were saying you were saying that like they that there was actually there was like kind of the Asian population were mm-hmm. not for affirmative action. No, that yeah, there there was no like a portion of them were as it's specifically related to Harvard that they were feeling discriminated against, um, but I think mm. it's it's just I think the idea was like they said that maybe it just needs to kind of help others, not mm. just those two most yeah. popular, I guess, when you consider right. affirmative action. Oh right, but okay. I think um, that kind of changes the well, not changes, but it it brings up the debate of what the point of affirmative action is yeah yeah for sure and oh, yeah <laughs> my understanding is that the point mm-hmm. is to in, increase opportunities for people who have less opportunities yep. but mm-hmm. also to increase diversity so that people can experience like a not just a monoculture when they're mm-hmm. in college um mm-hmm. and so at that point i think like harvard or i mean to a certain extent harvard but also like legal systems are going to decide whether it's more important to maintain diversity or to help disadvantaged people mm-hmm. or to have the best students possible regardless of their backgrounds mm-hmm. so yeah. you've got to try and find somewhere on that that gradient mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. decide like this is what we want to go for and i feel like they kind of missed the mark on that one well i mm-hmm. I, I kind of i'm of the opinion that it should be 
it should be best student, like 100% best student, even to the point where I've, I've actually said this to someone before. If, if um, the Asian culture or like the, the, the way that they do their schooling and, and the pressure and that they put on their kids to perform and study and whatever, if that is the getting the best results and, and getting ridiculously intelligent people, then that culture should technically like overtake the rest of us who are lazy if you know what i mean yeah. like <laughs> I, i'm so, kind of i'm kind of like i've said this to, sorry just let me finish yeah. before like so if yeah. if it turns out that harvard becomes all asian students and then should i think that that is okay i think that's the way it should be um yeah so you might be right and i don't i don't know probably don't know enough about affirmative action to be super on board with it but the history of um black Americans and Asian Americans where they've come from and, and what they're doing is, is, is so vastly different with opportunities that is very hard to just say. So Asian migrants are mainly from families who have enough money to migrate to America. So they've got, they've got like um, a pretty good start in that area. And obviously mm -hmm. we'd probably agree that people who have enough money have uh, better opportunities. Whereas, you know, the, the black population were slaves for a long time. So if they're from such vast circumstance how do, how do we how do we say then everyone's on a level playing field because they're not that's uh right. that's some pretty widespread generalization african uh, sorry yes. asian american immigration because... oh definitely but we have to speak in generalization yeah, when we're talking about know, entire population a lot of the time like if you're thinking about like first second generation maybe but other people leave their lives behind you know what I mean? So they pack mm. up stuff for nothing as well. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you have to be kind of careful there. And I think um, like a lot of the times these diversity drives, um, like you you probably don't want to say it, but the reality is diversity is driven through discrimination, right? Like to some yeah. degree where you open up diversity, you are intentionally yeah. discriminating against yeah. other people. So yeah, that, that is like a privileged, yeah. yeah. Yeah, you right. so you're actually driving that through discrimination and this kind of like society sets where they feel like that's an acceptable <laughs> sacrifice mm. to make. Yeah, right. I guess and that's obviously the argument for not doing the affirmative action is that technically it is then discriminating against white people, which like you can't or not not white people, privileged people, which mm. is yeah. still discrimination, you know. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But then, it, yeah, I don't know. It's such a hard one because, like, obviously they've, like, been, like, semi-oppressed or they've had it harder and they've had less opportunity. So hmm. you, your first, your initial thought is, your initial thought is, yes, it's a good thing. I want them to have more chance to succeed because they've come from somewhere that horrible or they've had a horrible upbringing or whatever. You know what I mean? But, right. Yeah. Yeah, I and it's, like, it's a tough one. I don't know where I stand. And like, I, I feel like um, if I have to speak in generalizations, if we're talking about a like a countrywide um, affirmative action thing, so um, like the, there's a huge difference between um, a slave for many years as opposed to an economic migrant, and and whether or not um, someone comes and like and the, the there's I'm sure there's plenty of migrants who come over with with nothing, but um, the fact that they're able to move. And like um, the the general, the la the large amount of them would be people who are able to do that in their culture. Mm. Yeah. Um, do you think that? Oh, there was another story. Sorry. Um, 
that I remember hearing about this lady who who claimed Native American like status to get like a scholarship or a job or something like that, but she was like one percent or like two percent Native American technically yeah. in her like gene pool. Um, the only and... person I can think of is maybe Elizabeth Warren. Yeah, that's maybe. the one that's in the news. <laughs> and she's <laughs> she's like she's in the Senate. Like she's high up. She's running for president next year. Yeah, wasn't she um, using I mean, it as part of a campaign platform? But yeah, yeah, she was. Yeah. And then she did I don't know, she did like an ancestry.com thing or something and found out that she's like one percent. <laughs> um officially and then tried to be hush about it and then tried to apologize for it and from what i understand the people like the native american people whose tribe i guess she was like a descendant of way down the line were just like we don't want anything to do with this basically yeah but i'm not familiar with are you talking about like a student or like and no uh, i, I I th- or is that I can't, I can't I can't remember the the specifics of it, but I definitely remember reading it. Um, okay. It was, yeah, I can't remember. I can't remember the specifics. I just remember that. Yeah, I remember it being in news coverage at some point. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Well, and it's it's one of those like that's definitely just pandering, straight mm. up. Like if you're if you're twenty five percent Native American and like that's part of your culture and that's how you were raised and whatever or even if you like you started to investigate it when you were you know a teenager like a young adult whatever and you got into it and you identified with it and that became part of your life um that's one thing but elizabeth warren is not like participating in tribal ceremonies and like living on a reservation and or like she's in that sense it feels like someone who is trying to reap the like the good parts that are coming out now but without without bearing any of the burden before yeah and i think that's where it becomes a problem yeah that's that's exactly right and that i think that's where i because like i know that um quite a few of like silicon valley organizations started like a diversity started having like diversity policies for their hiring where they were like oh we need to like keep certain quotas of different cultures so that we can have diversity and that's where mm-hmm. when you're doing it based on like ethnicity it becomes a problem i think because you you end up getting people haven't really like they haven't suffered you know because of their ethnicity you know what i mean that are reaping the rewards that actually those policies were set up or like the idea of those policies is to help mm. the underprivileged those who are suffering yeah yeah yeah, yeah. And that's, that's a true. great point, I think, to to talk well, not maybe talk about, but just mention about um the, the privilege and and <clears throat> like you said, not having to you know maybe making statements or saying things about a culture, and you really just you may say that you identify, but you don't you haven't had to um mm. I guess go through those experiences and endure yeah. the mm. same uh I guess hardships or on the positive side, right. I don't know reap the positive benefits. From yeah. actual well, living, it. like, um, are you guys familiar with Rachel Dolezal? No, she no. was like she. She was, I think she was somewhere high up in the um, NAACP. Um, 
which is like, oh, jeez, I can't remember what it stands for. It's some the National Something Association for, oh, the Na National Association for the Advancement of Colored People or something like yes. that. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, but she, she was essentially like doing the blackface thing. Um, she identified as black, even though she was a white woman. And <laughs> that, really yeah, I hearing something about this. That doesn't go. It, oh, okay. it caused a whole lot of problems for her. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. But, but before it did, she she got a whole lot of the benefits from it, yeah. and she didn't grow up black. She didn't have to deal with all that stuff. Sounds and like then she saw that, you know, black people were starting to receive some benefits to like as an apology more than anything. And she was like, oh, I want some of that. There's, there's a YouTuber <laughs> called like, Wiki who's similar. <laughs> crazy. That's, sorry, that's uh, like a did, meme. What did you say, Fresh? Sorry. Oh, there's like a there's YouTube a... lady also her name's like Wiki. She's she's like crazy. It's, it's a bit of a meme, but she's like yeah. completely white. She's like, I'm black. I, I just feel it. I know I am. Mm -hmm. It's, it's yeah. strange. <laughs> it's just, yeah. I, I don't get it. <laughs> like, I kind of try to wrap my head around it, but like, it's just so crazy to me that someone Man. would do that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you, t -t -t Everts, you put in here that you wanted to talk about being a straight white male. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. Going? I put out a whole lot of out. You can talk about it or not. Wait, hold on, Everts. Do you identify as a straight white male or are you actually a straight white male? What are we? What are we talking here? What are we talking? <laughs> You'll never know. Um, but no, it's I. The reason I put that in there as like a possible topic is just because like it's for for reference for people who, who don't have the notes in front of them. It's under a section called changing culture. <laughs> so, <laughs> so the perfect context. Just, context. Context. I just uh, wanted to touch a little bit on how, and I mean, we we talked about this a lot in uh, the last podcast I was here for. Mm, yeah. um, but talking about how now being like a straight white male is, uh, it's like having a target on your back. And mm. for a long time, we enjoyed a lot of privileges that other people didn't enjoy. Mm. 100%. And so, you know, I, I can't fault people for being mad about us preventing them from being able to do a lot of things. But at the same time, like, there are a lot of, I, I don't want to do like the hashtag not all men thing, mm. but at the same time, not all of them. <laughs> and I try to, I try to like, take all these things at face value and say like, okay, obviously this is a problem for a lot of people who fit into the same category as me. This attack is not directed at me because I don't do those things. And yeah. also it, it causes me to reflect on what I have done and what I haven't done and what I should and shouldn't have done in certain situations. And I think that's a healthy thing, but mm. it's just so, I don't know, it's so weird to have become the subject of attacks through I, I, I through nothing but having been born white and straight. Yeah. And a guy. And yeah. it's, it's, it's really an eye-opening experience, uh, especially like since the Me Too movement and um, like Black Lives Matter and all that has like gain so much momentum mm -hmm. to see all of this hatred come out just like not at particular people but at the the group that i'm in in particular and realize that like this is what other people have been dealing with for mm. forever mm. 
Yeah, it's like so like the it's... first time that the first time that like there's been any kind of negativity around being a uh, straight white male. You know what I mean? Like, right. and and it's it's kind of I guess I like it. It definitely is an eye opener. Like to be like, oh, okay, people have been putting up with this for ages. Not that not that we've experienced anything like like right right have, or mm -hmm. other groups have in terms of like negatives from this and that that's my whole take on it is that like i haven't like i like as much as there's been it's been big in the media at the moment about like or um about men toxic masculinity obviously was the top the podcast that we did a couple of weeks ago i i haven't i'm not experiencing any negatives from that really you know, mm -hmm. like I am still no, like mm -hmm. my like, feelings privileged. are hurt a little bit every now and then. like, <laughs> yeah. aside from that, I'm not getting affected. I yeah, assume no. is what you're saying. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So like, no. I, I get that, like, there's like heaps of talk about it. And I know that heaps of guys are like, um, heaps of guys are like, not, not offended, but like, there are people that are annoyed that they're getting attacked or they're getting lumped in with all these bad people, but like really does it affect me? No, <laughs> you know, like no. it doesn't at, at all. Like my life is unchanged completely. So, yeah. Um, mm. Yeah. Like I don't really it, mind the awareness being raised, but obviously right. we, we touched on this in the last podcast. I don't think that it's great that people are lumping people together. I think that that should never be done. <laughs> mm. Yeah. But I don't, I don't feel the need to talk about that anymore unless you guys really want to. But that was just—I was just throwing out a I mean, bunch yeah. of topics. Roxy is the He's only just... non-straight white male here. Do you want to say anything about that? <laughs> um, actually, I identify. No, okay. Um, no. <laughs> um, you know, I think I think it's hard because you don't, you can't. For me, I'm like, ugh, I just I don't get into the topic a lot, especially where I am. Um, obvious for obvious reasons, I guess for Evans, maybe not for you guys, but clearly with the north versus south and mm. confederacy and union and what have you but it's just so touchy and it i i feel like it's it's kind of it's hard because i like all types of people and mm -hmm. i dislike all types of people <laughs> so it truly has nothing to do with race or ethnicity but you really can't you just there's no way to not sound racist nowadays. There's no way to not sound mm -hmm. like uh, Porkins mm. was mentioning to sound like you're being discriminatory because all these conversations are driven by discrimin by discrimination. Mm. So, yeah, right. um, yeah. but I think for me, you know, it was, it's actually, I had a, a an experience that really kind of just turned me off to um, the idea of getting too, too deep into it. But mm. um, you know, I, I had made a, um, a comment to a, uh, to a player that was surely, you know, the context, I'm not going to go into the details mm. just to spare um, privacy, but uh, basically a comment was made on my end to an individual about, uh, you know, referencing a conversation we had had earlier. Um, and then it was later brought to the attention of someone, a third party who shouldn't have really gotten involved in the first place, but we won't mm. talk about that. Um, it turns out <laughs> to be, you know, that this third party was now accusing me of being racist. Yeah. Um, against a, a, a specific player who happens to be Afri African American, she is one of my student athletes. Mm. Um, you know, and I, I simply said, you know, like how 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 can I have been um, racist? I guess in that moment, or how could the comment I've been made um, 
number one, not having the context beforehand, you know, that this third party had no idea what the context of the conversation was. Yeah. And number two is I am a woman of color. Yeah. But it's not viewed right. that way. Yeah. Because wow, similar to what we talked about with affirmative action is I feel like if I'm not, I guess because I am Latina, I should have been a little bit more. But, you know, mm. the idea is black versus white. Yeah. Wow. Uh, Asian Americans fall in somewhere in there, but yeah. who knows where. The Latinas fall in there somewhere, but who knows where. So it just kind of gets very muddled and, and gray. And so it's uh, it's interesting. Mm. Um, but I don't I don't have a ton of those conversations, at least with people especially closer here in this area. Mm. Um, yeah. and, I, and I am always intrigued to listen to people's opinions, but mm. everyone has opinions and everyone feels their opinion should be held to a higher standard. So, mm. yeah. It's, yep. it's and everyone's allowed to have opinions. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Except bad yeah. ones. That, yeah. <laughs> I think, but I, yeah, no, no, I think it's it really is when you start to, I think differences are su super important and I think differing opinions are so important. But when mm, you yeah. start to, uh, impose your opinions as more important or yeah. having more validity than another. I mean, you just, which happens yeah. so quick. I mean, it's yeah, such yeah. a fine line. Oh, yeah. Um, mm. I think, and we kind of touched on this a little bit last, uh, on the last podcast as well, where we were trying to like, Fresh was like getting a bit, not annoyed, but like he, he was, you were talking about how you were like, how can I, hold my like my opinion and my worldview my worldview up above someone else's if there's no like way to define what's like the mm. correct answer mm. right mm -hmm. so i put a and bit more thought sorry go on yeah sorry you go no, no no i was gonna say i put a bit more thought into um into and what i was trying to get what i was trying to get out i think um and we have this uh so we have our values and then like um and that will be our morals and um our systems of belief and um, and then our actions and, and we have to kind of, we have to, we have to figure out a way where we can, where we can act in a way, um, that we see as, as morally good. Um, and there has to be in between there, there has to be facts as well that what, well, so my opinion is that there's got to be, um, facts that, that drive these. Otherwise, um, things are left up to interpretation, which, and I'm, and I'm for situational, um, beliefs coming to light, but, um, if we don't have set things it's very hard for me to ever tell someone they're ever wrong with anything like why why is blackface wrong I, if if that's situationally that person's um you know okay with that or somebody they've got a black friend who is okay with that i would still want to be able to explain why that's wrong to that person so i'm trying to find like where where people get their moral facts from i guess is a way yeah. i would say I, I went to school for that <laughs> right <laughs> there you go true. i still don't have I still don't have all the answers. Yeah, because it, yeah. it's, it's a tough one. Because, it. Yeah, because it's a tough one. Because like, um, obviously, it's very easy to to be like, okay, in my head, um, just to because we we're using black blackface as an example just then, be like, all right, these people like it became a symbol of oppression, and um, so we shouldn't do it. But if someone does blackface but doesn't know or doesn't have bad intentions or whatever is it like is it really a bad thing you know and it and it like because they they weren't they're not they weren't being racist mm. you know they weren't trying to be racist but it's just because of something that happened like 50 mm. years ago or whatever like that that has made it racist do you know what i mean mm. so yeah yeah so is uh, ignorance permissible yeah yeah, yeah. you know what i mean like 
is like do we yeah exactly i think yeah. there's definitely something more insidious when there is intent behind it mm. um but at the same time like if somebody shows up at a party in blackface and like that has some direct connection to someone like some person of color's direct life experiences and that actually does like cause them lots of grief or whatever like there's no way in that situation that you'd be able to know as the person showing up in blackface that this other person is going to experience it that way but mm -hmm. i don't think it makes it any less harmful in the moment mm, yeah to that person who's experiencing it from the other end mm. so it's it's trying to yeah find that balance between mm. awareness and intent and then just what is socially acceptable because x so yeah, I, so, I don't know. Like in that situation, I feel like I could say, um, I understand that you're ignorant of this issue, but um, yeah. the fact would be that this was a point, like a discriminative act, you know, so many years ago, doesn't matter how many years ago, it was still a mm. act that is still affecting people to today. Um, doing, you know, hurting people, whether it's intentionally or not intentionally, it, um, for something that you can avoid is, I would say, morally reprehensible. Like you, you shouldn't do it. So yeah. I feel like I've got yeah. facts around that that I could that I could say why you can't do that. Whereas um, I mean, like last week we were kind of talking about um, everyone should work out their own morals, which is you know, it's a good thought, but it's hard to it's just hard to relativism. Talk about yeah, exactly, moral relativism is. Oh, gee, wait, so where do you stand with that, Yvette? As someone who's gone to school, are you a realist or a relativist? Um. I, it's really hard for me to answer that question, <laughs> uh, but I used to think of myself as a relativist, but, um, I didn't, when I was younger, it was like said to me that it's a self-defeating argument to be a relativist because the idea is that like, if you're a relativist, then nothing is necessarily wrong unless it's wrong in your worldview. Mm. But that means that there's no way society can really form. Um, and like, if if I'm truly a relativist, then you can walk up and shoot me in the face and I have to be okay with that because mm -hmm. maybe that's part of your moral compass. However, the flip side of that is um, you have to actually believe. Like, if I'm a relativist, for, me to, for that to be okay with me, you walking up and shooting me in the face or whatever, I have to believe that, but you also have to believe that that's a good thing for mm -hmm. me to accept that as a morally good thing. Yeah, so I it's I don't think it's necessarily like a self-defeating argument to say I believe in relativism because there are so many things that like we have to operate in this world as though we we actually do understand it. Mm. Um, but we find out like especially through science all the time that we don't understand the things that we understand. So it's really hard to have like an empirical set of this is what's true and this is what we're going to base our morals off of because worldviews shift mm, like yeah, we yep. we lived in a we lived in a geocentric universe for a long time yep with a flat earth yeah. <laughs> like it's, uh, it's acceptable right now to um dump on gingers but give it a hundred years <laughs> then maybe the rest of the world oh bad like literally like, no, that's gross no, mate. What, what do you mean? ew <laughs> Oh, I'm oppressed. Not, oh, not literally a dump. Not, <laughs> not no, literally. Yeah. Okay, we're not talking, we're not talking oh, about right, buttloads. Right. I thought we were talking about, but no. I thought we were going back to the <laughs> buttloads. <laughs> <laughs>
All right. Um, I feel like we could probably do a whole other podcast on that. So let's um, maybe yeah, we should yeah, leave maybe. that there. It's it's a bit bit hectic. So I was gonna say actually we're coming up on um two hours. If you guys, I feel like I want to talk about a couple more things on here, but yeah, yeah, but totally okay because sure. um we didn't set up a time limit. If you guys have to go or if people have got to go to bed, Hawkins, or if you guys have got to go to something on a Sunday morning, then just feel free to to <laughs> tap out. That's completely fine. I'm not that old, mate. I don't have to go to bed yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty old um, though. But if you're keen to keep him going, I wouldn't mind talking a little bit about guns. Hey, let's do it, Woke. Ooh. Let's do it. Do you do either of you guys own firearms? I do not. I do. Mm. Have you have you shot your gun before? I guess I guess everyone who owns it has shot their gun before. I have multiple. Okay, well, I mean, not with the intent of hurting, oh, yeah. but no, at, at a range, assuming. Yes, yeah. out of range, okay. and also by the side of the river. So it's yeah. been from both sides. Um, yeah. A little redneck and a little somewhat professional. Actually, I had an awesome experience. Um, oh my goodness, it would have been 2015. Uh, I used to work at a law firm, uh, and my uh, our boss was very wealthy, um, very amazing, amazing guy, very down to earth, just like an absolute legend. But he um, is very well off and so he oftentimes would take our entire firm now that would consist of approximately 20 to 30 lawyers uh plus all the administrative assistants and secretaries which might be adding another 10 to 15 people and they might take us out to a steakhouse for you know the firm anniversary or he would bring his biggest clients to a shooting range that was like military grade and he would just pay for everybody to participate um and so this particular day when he was actually at verizon was one of our biggest clients he brought five of the managers from verizon um his corporate level to uh, a shooting lab in a town nearby and that was awesome like i went surely with the intent to organize lunch and just drop off sandwiches <laughs> and he was like well, what are you doing I'm like, well, I just, you know, I just set up all the lunch in the conference room, blah, 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 at this particular shooting lab. He's like, oh, you want to, you want to just join us up on the range? I'm like, Fuck yeah, I do. I was like, <laughs> I was wearing heels and a skirt, mind you. Okay. Cause that was like, it was formal oh attire, God. but awesome. I was like, you know what? Sure. And it was amazing. I shot the Glocks. I shot ARs. It was just like, it was an amazing experience, but yes. Yeah, so yeah. I, um, my little tidbit on the conversation, I guess, would be I love guns. I'm more than happy to go through the paperwork to obtain a, a firearm, mm. period. <laughs> yeah. How uh, realistic uh, do you find Fortnite, Roxy? Yeah. <laughs> oh, very unrealistic, 100%. <laughs> what? Oh, my dreams um, shattered. No, no, no. If, if I've played Fortnite, that means I can I can, go I can shoot guns. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, Absolutely. Oh, yeah, yes. for sure. It is. It is you'll never have any I, problems with guns, Jamie. <laughs> I can't even... I was, and I was completely gun illiterate. Um, I tell this story, not that it was, I'm going to continue because I'm a storyteller and I could tend to ramble, but. Yeah, um, go for it. Uh, All right. I'm going to uh, disappear from the camera for a second, but I'm still listening. Yeah, sure. sure. So um, anyway, long story short, there was, I had access to, we won't explain how, but I had access to a revolver and hey, Porkins. Um, <laughs> Uh, and so I was completely, just completely, this is just not kids. If you're watching, this is not the way to do this. All right. But I was, I wanted to unload the gun and look at it a little bit further. So what do I do? I pull the hammer back and I'm like, okay, this is oh. going to be a problem now because the gun <laughs> is loaded Yeah, <laughs> and it's ready to fire like yeah. right now. 
and I had no idea. I was literally trying oh, to, I don't wow. even know what the right word is, get the barrel to open or however yeah. you uh, load and unload the remote. So oh. I literally oh. sat there for like <laughs> 45 minutes with this gun on the table. I'm just looking like at it. Nothing else is around. I'm like, what am I going to do? I was home alone. Oh, and uh, well, so I literally was like Googling in, in you, uh, you who, what the hell, Yahoo, whatever answers, <laughs> Googling ways to deload a revolver just you eventually got, got it gun there. <laughs> somehow nobody actually had this problem though you know like when yeah. you think it's going to be a common issue yeah, yeah. but i couldn't find a solution yeah, for yeah. the longest finally everyone i just i literally fires the gun and i just i lowered it slowly but i literally took the gun outside oh, to an yeah. open space and i was like i was like yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. i was like so petrified yeah, yeah but i had a good handle on the weapon so anyway I'm, it was yeah, right. i will never do that again i've shot a lot of rifles um, i used to go hunting really often and, and one of the particular ones that we used to shoot had the same safety so you had to you actually had to pull yes. the trigger with your thumb on the hammer and like put it mm -hmm. down slowly until it stopped and i was always just like i'm just gonna like like get yeah, really like really carefully like <laughs> this down. And, and i mean it never oh, went up, but i thought it was the stupidest yeah. safety ever why would you have to pull the trigger to have the safety it's just uh, I don't it's crazy. Know. I don't oh know. yeah um so i just want to point out in the comics uh, i just want to emphasize this point that ziflex or ziflex made yeah. don't mm -hmm. look down the barrel of a gun ever <laughs> ever 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 this is true because yeah, no. this is true you don't know if it's loaded or not. Yeah. Um, um, if it's yours and you're cleaning it, whatever, that's different. Yeah. But like, yeah. so I have so now become a general lot more educated. <laughs> yeah. So, but Roxy, so the, yes. one of the things I took away from your conversation, your story, <laughs> your lovely story, um, terrifying story, uh, <laughs> is that you owned a gun before you considered yourself gun literate. Well, I think yes. had access well, to it. Well, I didn't own. I didn't own. Yes, I didn't own okay. access to it. Okay, okay. Yeah, okay. I didn't had own that one. Um, okay. And actually, here's another funny story because I'm just a storyteller. Yep. This is absolutely <laughs> terrifying. I promise that my mother is an absolute saint. Just okay, but she was a correction officer for 20 plus years. Uh, my mm -hmm. mom is now retired, and she used to work on Rikers Island, which is on, in New York. Um, but anyway, which so, is a, a prison. It, Oh, yes, it is a prison. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah. What did you say? Correctional, Correctional officer. Officer, yeah. which works. It's uh -huh. like a guard at a prison yep. kind of thing. Yep. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And Rikers is actually pretty. It's a, a pretty rough prison. Um, yeah. But anyway, so, um, <laughs> my mom was about eight months pregnant with my little sister, and uh, she comes home, and what she normally does is I normally would never hang out in the bedroom. Um, she would obviously have all of her you know her uniform her badge her gun and all that would just kind of be out on the bed and uh and i would never be in there necessarily unless i was with her and of course at that point she'd make sure it was childproof but in this particular day i wandered off into the bedroom and i picked up her gun and it was loaded i was probably Ooh. i guess i had to have only been maybe seven or eight oh. and yep. uh she knew something was wrong because I was quiet. You know, she was folding laundry. I had wandered off. And when she didn't hear anything, then she knew that was up. So she calls my name. I don't answer. And she calls my name again. She makes her way to the bedroom. And there she is standing in the doorway, pregnant. And here I am with a fucking loaded gun. Look, mom. And I was literally yeah. oh, barely, borderline pointing it at her. Now, um, I didn't fire, obviously. She just, luckily, my mom was very stern. So when she yelled at me, I knew that I had to listen. And she just, you know. <laughs> very calmly told me to put the gun down but sternly told me to put the gun down That's and i did and that was the end of it cool. but oh my gosh yeah right. so apparently i have had an interest in guns before i even knew <laughs> what wow. i was doing 
Wow. Yeah, it, well, and I think that kind of gets to a point, and I think maybe, Woke, you were going to go here, but where <laughs> yeah. it's, like, guns in and of themselves, I don't have a problem with, uh, but the the ease of access, I think, is an issue mm. that we aren't really dealing with here. Um, so, like, it's it's really easy for, like, in that situation, like, your your mom was trained to have firearms, and mm-hmm. she used firearms for her job. Hopefully not very often, but, like, in the event that something came up, that's what it was for. Yeah. But then she brought it home, and it was just – and I, I'm trying – like, I, I don't want to say anything bad about your mom. And I'm oh, not, please, no, no. I, I don't it's, it's think just, I am. No. But no, no, no. It's, it's a situation where, like, she just had her routine. She came home, and she put her stuff on the bed, and then a seven or eight-year-old is able to just walk in and grab it, and she could have done something really terrible with it and had right. no concept of what she was doing at the time. Oh, Sorry, you could exactly. have done something, but you're here. I right, talk to yeah, you. yeah, yeah, but, yeah, right. But um, that the the ease of getting them and the ability to access them with no training whatsoever like you said you had to sit there for 45 minutes looking stuff up on the internet with a loaded gun cocked and ready to go sitting next Mm. to you because you didn't know how to deal with it Mm. and Mm -hmm. luckily you're smart enough that you went online (laughs) and figured out how to deal with it but like like a 12 year old kid can go into his dad's gun cabinet and just like if it's not locked Mm. and just go grab a gun and show it to his friends yeah. And yeah. then somebody can die. And it's just, yeah. it's, that's so, my yeah. big problem with it. Well, that, the- that is one of many reasons why I am for the Australian way of doing things where we have a big gun buyback and we don't have guns as a commonplace mm-hmm. thing in our society anymore. Um, yeah. So can you guys you, explain that a little bit more? Cause I really yeah. don't know anything. Uh, so basically, so we had two in Australia, there was, um, yeah, so the one that really put the nail in the coffin was... Oh, wait. Uh, wait, was there two? There was 1996 and, 99, and 2003, I think, were the two. Yeah, so, yeah, that was a terrible expression as well. You nail in the nail coffin. coffin right now, man. <laughs> when we're talking about... Yeah, yeah, right. Oops, sorry. Um, By the uh, way, I am listening as well, but I do have to step away. So, uh, do, yeah, do you guys want to do like a quick toilet break? We've been drinking beer. I, I like really yes, need to pee. Yeah. Can we do like a two <laughs> okay. minute toilet break and we'll resume? Yes. I'll put up a, a, a screen. All right. Two minutes. Works Let's do it. Me. Let's do it. Be right, we'll Sweet. be right, right back. Cool. Fam. BRB. Cool. Welcome back, right. everyone. <laughs> yep. We're back. Um, that was the wild well, pork is uh, spotted. Uh, <laughs> what? Yeah. A must needed break. Um, so we were talking about gun control, uh, not gun control. We were talking about well, guns. guns. Right? <laughs> yeah. And, um, so, so in Australia, we had, um, basically by, uh, big buyback. So there was a, the, the big one in 1996, was it? Where, um, there was a mass shooting event, um, in, wait, Tasmania. Just, yep. Port, Arthur. Port, Port Arthur. Port Arthur. Yep. In Tasmania. And after mm-hmm. that, it was they they used the the support of the um the public perception of guns at that time which is right after a mass shooting it was like everybody's like guns are bad and they used that to then start the process of a buyback of guns from like everybody Mm. there were certain there's certain um professions you can still get guns um in australia but there's you've got a meet there's like a certain criteria that you have to meet to be able to get your hands on them it's a lot more difficult than in the u.s anyway oh Mm. like ridiculously difficult almost um to the point where most most people 
cannot legally get their hands on a gun. Um, or wow. it, it's just like most people don't have a gun. There's, there's, it would yes. be a small percentage as far as I'm aware of people that have guns. Yes. And they're for hunting yeah. purposes only for... For hunting purposes um, or it's their profession yeah. that they have to own a gun for. So not, I want, I want to... Sorry. Sorry? Not for personal protection? Like no, it's never. A line that's drawn? Okay. Yeah. So um, like you, and, and I think that, that's, that's a part of the thing. Right? When you when you you have to have like it has to be for hunting, yeah, and you have to be able to like show that you like where you hunt, like mm. uh, why you're hunting, um, where you're gonna store et cetera, it, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, where you're Obviously. gonna store it. There's so many things that you got, so many so, loops you got to jump through. So so it makes it it's almost impossible mm. for a mm -hmm. general a normal person a public in the public to get their hands on a mm. gun legally and own a gun in australia and there's a lot of background checks and things like that mm. yeah. ridiculous analysis. like yeah. uh, walking um, down the street is that there's like a 0.0001 percent in my mind that's saying um it's ever possible that i'm well actually there's zero i never ever ever think that i'm ever going to get shot in australia ever this yes. doesn't ever cross you know, my mind, like at all. It doesn't all. cross my mind. Even yeah. when I'm hunting. <laughs> no, but um, yeah. Um, the, but yeah, what yeah, I wanted I, to actually ask, the reason I wrote it down was um, that uh, America seems to, maybe maybe this is a point for Australia, guys, but <laughs> America seems to have um, a problem in terms of, compared to the rest of, um, I suppose you'd say, um, socioeconomically level-ish countries, um, at least as far as you can compare, um, with gun deaths, whether it's homicide or suicide, and um, just they're just they're just much higher than most other uh, countries that you'd want to compare with. Like you could look at like Honduras or whatever, but it's it's harder to compare those. So, um, is like what what do you do about that? Um, particularly, there's there's a lot of um, media, I suppose, about around school shootings, and um, and the effects of those. So, what is there something you can do about that? Um, I feel like proposing a complete gun ban isn't uh, feasible, um, but it seems like at least the guns that are used in shootings are always originally purchased legally as well. Yeah. Um, so we were talking about accessibility a little bit um, mm -hmm. and like how Roxy found her mom's gun and everything. Now, as an adult, um, not having a gun in the house, actually, I, I rent this house and there were a gun here but it's not loaded there's no ammo like it's it doesn't actually pose any sorry, threat sorry basically... your house your house came with gun yeah <laughs> wait what, <laughs> um, what? are you kidding right. that's insane hold on hold on a second hold on a second it don't get can he put uh, is he gonna get his gun i don't know if he could pull a gun out i don't i don't have to okay. it's not mine no. I don't is that know. TOS? Okay, I, I won't. I, think that's I won't TOS. just in case. I just think it's case. TOS. But, <laughs> yeah, so there's there's a shotgun. There's a shotgun that was at my house what? when I moved in here. My a shotgun. And it's like, around. the person that I rent my house from is someone that I work with. And like, this is the only house that she has and rents out. Um, and it was just something that was left here. And I'm just going to leave it here when I leave. And she's going to take it and do whatever she wants to do with it. But right now, it's it's basically just a big paperweight. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yep, she's going to go on the machine. <laughs> but anyway, so, like, it's it's another situation where, like, as an adult, I ha I have no personal interest in firearms. Like, it's just not something I really care about. Um, it's fun to shoot guns. I've done that before, but I, I don't want to own one. But if I did want to own one, there are numerous ways that I can go and get one without filling out any paperwork. Mm, yep. And that... Like you can, you can literally just go online 
and find like on Craigslist, find somebody who has a personal collection mm -hmm. and it's legal for them to sell something from their personal collection to you for your personal collection. They can't go into business as a gun dealer, but I can just like, if I had a friend who had a gun, I could just go and buy it from what really Why? like so is there is, sorry, but is there a distinction of it's for collection purposes so like so if you were to then go shoot that gun you would be breaking the law uh no uh, because as yeah. as a part of your collection you have a right to use that firearm too if i went and shot someone or if i shot someone's personal <laughs> property then i'm breaking the law that's true but would the person um, that sold you the gun be liable as well uh that I don't know. I don't know exactly how that plays out. Um, I don't believe so, because you know, you want to have like a bill of sale or something like that, or like some kind of receipt to show that this isn't mine anymore. Um, or in the case of like illegally obtained weapons, um, if somebody steals a gun from somebody else and then it's used in a crime, uh, the person who owned the weapon can be held somewhat liable if they don't report the gun as stolen. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's on a case by case basis. It's very touch and go. But um, the, the idea behind like the distinction between having a collection, like a personal collection and being a gun dealer is that you can also go to like, I, you guys may have heard of the gun show loophole. Maybe not. I don't know. But yes, the yeah, idea yeah. there is that these personal collectors are not gun dealers, so they don't have to get licensed or anything. They don't have to do like background checks and everything. They're not held to the same standard, but they can go to a gun show with like 15 pistols or like huh. 15 rifles or whatever and just have them there be and say, I'm whittling down my collection or like rotating it out, whatever. So that's where you get into like the tricky gray area where it's same thing. You can go online and just go and buy one. Mm. Um, you don't have to go through any legal system at all. Like there's no regulation for that aspect of it. Mm. It's just new guns or guns that are being sold by a licensed dealer. Mm. So that's, that's one of the major differences that I'm seeing here between us and you guys is that like oh, yeah. virtually no one can own a gun mm. in Australia virtually everyone can own and within a day or two obtain a gun if they mm. want to. Mm. Mm -hmm. It's it's, and not it's, that. it's a weird thing. Mm. It is. It's there are definitely no can, types. You go. No, go ahead. <laughs> it's not that you can't uh, you can't own a gun in Australia. You can you can get your hand on it. It's just no one been does. made it, it, yeah, no one does. There are people that do, but like it's not they me. made it so that it's work. Mm. All right. It's so have to do to if you really want to own a gun then it's a little bit of work right. and that deters like 99 percent of the people and it's so become curious, um, I, guess. Oh, go ahead, I think it's become a bit more culturally intrinsic to america yeah whereas um yeah. you know there's some habits like for instance i don't know i guess smoking is one of them where in some countries it's cultural and in other countries it's not and um it's the same thing with guns and mm. we don't have it, uh, I guess, as a cultural mainstay uh, in Australia. And so um, by it not being as intrinsic, you also don't feel the need to acquire one for, I guess, personal defense as well. Mm. So yeah. it's kind of like that that propagates itself, whereas in the US, I don't have any particular interest in guns, but I might be interested in acquiring one 
because of personal defense because everyone else has them and that mm. that's like self-propagating yep. as well and so i'm curious in australia do you guys have like for the types of i guess measures and extent that you have to go to to obtain one do you have yeah. like a concealed carry law do you have like limits based on maybe those who have committed <laughs> violent crimes like that they're not in, allowed to or you just don't really yeah so you've got to do um like criminal criminal history checks and um I'm assuming those are just like once you if you don't pass that you're just pretty much yeah you're you're done it's just yeah it's 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 more strict <laughs> no and it's more you. like it's yeah. it's they they say it's the purpose well pretty much the purpose is you've got you've got to write down where you're going to use this at a range or like you you can't say that you're going to use them for self-defense basically that's not a i from what i know it's not a like a thing that you can say to get a gun basically it needs to be for hunting purposes or yeah and and like the amount of people who like no one in the city would i'm saying no one but the vast majority of people in the city don't own guns yeah Mm -hmm. oh yeah yeah, I mean, so I know, I know personally quite a few people that own. Uh, yeah, like you were telling me this the other day. He's like, "Oh yeah, I just yeah. drive around with guys who got guns in their glove box or whatever." Yeah, <laughs> I've been, I've been shown, Damn. I've been shown a gun, um, in a, in someone's. Was it, uh, was it this? Oh, sorry. But the and, difference there is so, right <laughs> is that you've been shown a gun. <laughs> Mister Evets had one left in his kitchen from the previous. Yeah, I know. Yeah, it's yeah. completely. You know? So like, for us, it's like, oh, I've seen one, and then for them, it's like, oh, the old house yeah. owner left one here. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, or my mom left um, on the bed. Like. So I think if we can talk a little bit about that cultural difference, like Perkins mm-hmm. was bringing up, um, the there's a whole lot of money tied up in it, and like a whole lot of stuff from the NRA, and mm-hmm. some of it makes sense, some of it doesn't, and we can talk about that another time probably. <laughs> but mm-hmm. um, we could do a whole podcast on just that. Yeah, yeah. But um, the argument from the other side, I, I consider myself as like a gun right or a gun control advocate as opposed to a gun rights advocate. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And from the other side, uh, the reason that it is such a culturally huge thing, I think, is because of um, the idea of being able to get rid of an oppressive government, which mm. is you know That's what our so country was essentially founded on. They're the Second um, Amendment, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So. The there's a lot of argument over the of the Second Amendment and mm. whether or not guns can be limited, stuff like that. But um, there there's a whole history where like the reason that the revolution, I mean, the reason the revolution was a success was because France came in and helped us realistically. <laughs> but um, the reason it was even a possibility was because everybody had weapons to protect their homesteads. It was literally for protection, but it was more for protection from wildlife mm. at the time than <laughs> yeah. protection from other people who are like coming to invade your home. That's such uh, an interesting so, so now the argument a lot of the time boils down to like we need to have our own protection not from other people but well i mean not from other like citizens but from an oppressive government Mm. and so that's where the argument for like being (laughs) able to own any kind of weapon comes from because like if i have a pistol and that's all i have and the army comes bearing down on with like guys in SWAT uniforms with like ballistics uh, vests and stuff like all this crazy equipment. There's no way I could possibly stand a chance against them. Mm. Now that said, I don't have any drones that I can (laughs) drop explosives with. Yeah. 
Um, that's, that's true. But yeah, it's 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 like drawing on Fortnite. It's like having a great pistol, and the mm. government has the entire arsenal. Mm. Yeah. And so it seems like a really weak argument to me, but I think that's why yeah. it's so culturally ingrained is because that's like it's. Really and do you think, like, I know that, that um, the Second Amendment came about because of that and to, to, to like a tyrannical government, we need to be able to protect ourselves from them. And um, mm-hmm. and you mentioned the NRA and I guess there's a whole, like I said, a whole a whole lot of like uh, a lobbying, whole. <laughs> <laughs> whole lot of lobbying yeah. goes into and um, controlling our funds. Um, actually, no, let's. Let's not talk. Let's not talk about the NRA. Um, let's. So, yeah. What was I saying before? That's, that's <laughs> a can of worms, man. So, that's a can of worms. Yeah. <laughs> Do you feel like that's yeah. a like a, a possibility? Like, or or even like you're saying, it's a bit. It's a bit of a weak um, proposition that we we could even protect ourselves if the government was able to, um, you know, form yeah, a tyranny. I mean, we spend so much more on the military than we spend on like virtually yeah. anything else in the United States. Like it's. It, yeah. it's like yeah. the weakest argument you could possibly have and from but what i understand people latch about, onto it so. and they really believe in it yeah so i don't there, know um there might be a few military states in the middle east who got better <laughs> weapons than the uh people in america and they Just haven't done too well probably <laughs> yeah it's not a strong argument yeah no, no. exactly and from That's what i understand okay. about the um constitution and the amendments mm-hmm. is that like you are able to because a lot of people seem to be like well it's our it's an amendment. We have to keep it. It's, but yeah, it's our second it, amendment, right? But isn't an amendment something that can be amended? Change. Yeah, no, an amendment is a, amendment. a change to yeah. the right. Yeah, 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 yeah right. it is a change. It, it is can be changed again. Yeah. yeah, and can be changed again. Okay, because that seems to be an argument all the time. They're like, oh, it's our second amendment. We're like, we can't change it, but but you can. Well, and yeah, you can't even you can call it like a amendment. constitutional mm-hmm. right because it it is. I mean, you can, but like, you yeah. can't if you're a fundamentalist constitutionalist. Mm. Yeah, because it wasn't using all those big fancy words. Because yeah, it wasn't. Yeah. In there. Right. yeah. Um. Yeah. I just, I just find it so it's so um unfathomable to me. But I get that mm. unfathomable. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. That's a word. Yeah. Um. <laughs> to me, that you guys that they're so commonplace. You know, like that. It, yes. Like I, I would be terrified if I knew that the like that everybody owned guns around me. Hmm. Well, and okay, so never, never walking down the street thinking, oh, like I might get, I mean, given granted, if you're in different neighborhoods, obviously that contributes, you know, everyone, Mm. and Mm. no matter where you are, I'm sure you've got good parts and bad parts Mm. of towns, cities, etc. But I mean, I live, there are times when I think I'm like, hmm, if I'm walking the dog, you know, late at night, maybe I should bring something with me. That's not Twitch. No, we didn't hear that. But, you know, uh, it's just a thought. It is a thought. It is something that comes to mind. It is something that's like, hey, you know, this could happen. You know, my mom, when she was in Brooklyn, living in Brooklyn, she observed a woman get shot point blank at the corner of a street Whoa. in New York wow. City, you know, and it's just like for no other, no, no other reason. Who knows what coming out of a white castle. So it was just like, you guys have White Castle, right? You ever heard of White no, Castle? No, we before? don't. But I have watched Harold and Kumar. We don't even have White well, Castle in Michigan. I mean, we do in like the very southern part, but they're dying off a little bit. But anyway, I made the reference. So what, sorry, so what is it? It's White it's, Castle. It's a burger it's like a joint, fast food joint. Yeah, ah, fast food. Okay. It yeah. looks amazing. They name them Murder movies. Burgers because they it's... will mess you up. Wow. They <laughs> put them to a Taco Bell or McDonald's for some people. If you if you catch my drift, but it it is just like. It is rough, but it, it, they're good food, but just like drunk food. But it's right, it's really yeah. um, it's really kind of crazy to think about 
like you said, it's just not something you guys ever really are worried or uh, ever considering or um, um, learned about. Yeah. And like on, on that note, in that same vein, like I live in a decent part of town and like Kalamazoo isn't like known for gun violence in the same way as like Chicago is or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I've heard gunshots like from every oh. place that I've lived in this town. Uh. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And wow. like the, it's it's relatively condensed. Like it's mostly confined to like the the city itself is mm-hmm. I don't know like ten square miles or something like that. Like for the mm-hmm. the um, more dense area. Like there's a rural like out outlying yeah. area. But yes, yeah. um, living in town and like renting different places, I I can't move to a place where I won't hear them eventually. Mm-hmm. Like I've, I've lived here them. for not quite a year, and I've heard gunshots at least three or four times. Yeah, right. Same. So it's, just walking it's a dog, or <laughs> it's just kind of like it's That's weird. Crazy. It's really weird. That's actually insane. Yeah. To think about yeah. it. Yeah, and it's our city is actually fairly. Uh, it's about uh, maybe twenty five thousand people in Columbus, um, where I live, and I mean, I legitimately was in my front yard, and there was a shooting like two blocks away at a theater that was on like the main strip. And it's just, just like, yeah. oh, there's another shooting. It's kind of crazy. <laughs> wow. I mean, it's actually One time really I sad. thought I heard gunshots, but then I realized um, I just let the game load into the next round. What's <laughs> 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 going on? Kelsey, yeah, Kelsey okay. said in the chat, gunshots or some fat backfires. Oh, Kelsey yeah. would say. <laughs> yeah, so it seems like um, guns being guns are just, uh, they're, they're a, what do you call it? They're like a force multiplier. So if someone wants yep. to go on a killing spree with a knife, they're not going to get anywhere near as far as with a gun. So um, these these mass shootings and that that seem to happen, it, feel, it feels like, and I know there's, there's arguments like for like teachers to have more guns. And like we should increase the amount of guns that the good people have, so that the bad people can't shoot them. Um, where whereas it like the the conversation doesn't often go towards well, I haven't seen anyone go towards uh, restricting access to guns. Um, if these crazy people are going to get guns, they they're gonna like I don't. If I lived in America, I don't want to have to send like my little little Johnny off to school and be like, well, hopefully you know. Miss Johnson's gonna <laughs> dome that kid who comes in. He's gonna shoot up the school. Like, it it seems like a bad, a, a bad way to do things. Rather to increase the amount yeah. of guns that people have to defend themselves. Isn't it? And I want to talk also, about. Oh, I just wanted to touch on a comment that was in coming up in chat by Ragnar. Is it ignored when you hear the shots or yeah, are cops that. called? And for me, I'm gonna be honest. It's kind of the bystander effect. Like, mm. I have never called Someone the cops call. once. Yeah, they have never yeah. called the cops once when I heard gunshots. Mm. Now, if they were at my neighbor's house, probably. But I've never yeah. been the closest. I, I mean, apparently there was someone shot outside my window when I was living in the city. But I was, again, just separated from it. And, and outside <laughs> of that, um, I have never, I was not young enough to call the police back then. But if it was something immediately in my vicinity, probably. But again, it's just kind of like when you see a fender bender on the side of the road i mean you just assume that someone else has called the police already um and then uh there was another comment um that monica monica a or monica said so crazy how hearing gunshots seems so so common and unshocking and it's true Mm. yeah Uh, it's kind of desensitized in my opinion i guess Mm. living in the u.s not 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 in the terms of like when i hear about it or see about it or hear stories i mean i have severe empathy and sympathy but it's just the actual act of shootings is just so yeah. much more. Mm. And I mean, common. 
I think I think that though that is kind of a fair assumption to make in terms of mm-hmm. oh someone else would have called the cops because um, even in Australia I can't remember what it was there was a there was a um, loud there was an explosion a car crashed like uh, near my house and um, it blew up there was like a stolen Lamborghini or something like that and it crashed and it oh, blew I remember up. that wow yeah and um, the it I was asleep and it woke me up but I wasn't. I didn't know that it was an explosion that woke me up. So then it was quiet once I woke up. So I went back to bed, but my housemate woke up and he didn't mm-hmm. know what was going on, but he called the cops because it was so loud. Mm-hmm. And yeah. he was like, he called the police and he was like, Hey, there's just like, sounded like an explosion. Um, like I, this is where I live. And the cop was like, got all, uh, the police got all his details and whatnot like that. And um, thanked him for calling in. And he asked, he said, just out of curiosity, like, did anyone else, has anyone else called about it? And they had 50 or 60 phone calls. Oh, jeez. About that explosion. Within the space of like 30 seconds. Wow. wow. That's um, crazy. Like everybody just it's instantly. Good, but so different it is here. So <laughs> I, I think that, I think that you'd be surprised how, <laughs> how many people actually call. Who have actually do yeah. it. Yeah. And that and was that's just, the, that was something my... so small. Even with not not kind of getting off topic from the guns, but even just yeah, general yeah, calling the police for any sort of sense of emergency, <clears throat> I think I've only ever called the police one time in my life, and that was when I got into a, a minor fender bender. I indicated that it was not a life or death emergency, but I just yeah. needed police on on scene. Yeah. And well, other than that, I don't so think I've ever in, deliberately called nine one one for anything. In Australia, yeah, we have two <clears throat> separate numbers. We have we have a non emergency number. Yep, we have and, that too, mm-hmm. and we have a yeah, and. Yeah, I, I, there's only one time that I've called, I've called like nine, your 911, like sure, zero. Yeah. Um, so what's it? Yeah. I was going to say, what are that? This is completely off topic, by the way. Are, how are the phone numbers for you guys in Australia? Uh, eight numbers. digits for home numbers or 10 for mobiles, I guess. But um, yeah. yours, yours are like, do yours start with 555 or is that just movies? No, that's yes, movies no, because it's just none movies, of them but... actually start with five five five. <laughs> oh, right, no, right. but it is the same format, right? Okay. So like three the area code, uh, okay, which is okay. three yep. and then it's a seven digit one two three four five six yeah. seven yeah seven. Yeah, okay. yeah. So we we have area codes as well for like yeah. I think I'm pretty sure it's by state. Yeah, yeah. So each state in Australia where so zero eight is zero eight. So if you're in another state and you want to call Perth, you have to go zero eight and then the number. However, um, no one has home phones huh. like anymore. I don't know yeah, anyone no, my age that I, owns, I, has a home phone. I like, have no home phone programmed yeah. into. We my, don't. Yeah, yeah. landlines are completely. Yeah, gone. Abysmal. Yeah. Um, so um, then but, um, the mobile number is. Because... Oh, sorry. No, you go. I was just gonna say, uh, landlines, interestingly enough, will work if there's a power outage. Oh uh, yeah. Okay. So yeah. if yeah. your if your phone's dead. Yeah. You, but then again, like be, because. Like if your phone's dead and the power is out, yeah. you can't call anyone. Yeah. Um, if yeah. you have a landline, you can, but who are you gonna call? Because no one's got a landline. Right. No one's yeah. got a damn line. Yeah, landline. Um, if we can go back to the cops real quick, though. Yeah, go uh, back to that. I was I've, just it was a complete segue yeah. from. Um, <laughs> I've the only times I've ever called the police are uh, times when there was like a car accident that I was involved in because in America to get an insurance claim filed there has to be a police yeah, same report here, same here. yeah um so so in that instance i've called the cops i've been in a couple accidents nothing major but um and then the only other time is when i'm at work so like working in the service industry working in restaurants 
uh, I worked a couple of different places overnight shifts. So you get drunk oh, people awesome. coming in because like our bars close at two o'clock in Michigan. So someone will come in all drunk Four and in like, see somebody they don't like and start a fight with them. And if they don't leave immediately, then I will I'll, I'll start by telling them if you guys don't leave, I'm going to have to call the cops. And then if they don't leave, then I will call the cops and then tell them, hey, the cops are on their way. I just called them. And usually they just leave before the cops get there. Yeah. So, I mean, those are the only experiences that I've had where I've called the police. Um, I I have strong feelings about police and not wanting to call them because I feel like a lot of the time they cause a lot more issues than they help with. <laughs> but again, that can be a, a conversation for a different time. Yeah, and don't worry, you got your I don't, Second Amendment there. You can keep yeah. your shotgun if they come. Those tyrannical <laughs> government comes, man. You well, got and That's so right. I mean, actually, Just... that like that kind of that and the NRA kind of kind of tie back together because like in the sixties, um, a lot of black people would carry around rifles. Like there was a movement where people started carrying around rifles. Uh, and if they saw another person of color getting harassed by the police, they would just stand there with their weapons perfectly legally. Hmm. And if something got out of hand, they were able to do something about it. Never. I don't, I don't know of any instances where like there was a big firefight between people of color and cops, like as a result of that, yeah. but like with the, the black Panther party, um, that's what they did was they followed people or they followed cops around or they just like stayed in their area and just were present with yeah. firearms. Just, and just that's a situation like, where you the cops, where the cops go, right. okay, mm -hmm. I need to be a bit care more careful and be aware that I'm not and mistreating so this person. Like, well, I can't take on the military by myself. That might be a situation where <laughs> that could potentially be a valid argument where people are just being harassed by the police and they need to do something about it because nobody else. Is. Mm. So mm. I, I don't know. That's there's, I guess, in some small way, there is some validity to it. I just don't think it's enough to justify the laws that we have. But yeah, definitely. Yeah. Anyway. No, 100%. Um, you you put on here uh, vets about like the prison, um, the privatization of prisons, and I, I was just yep. thinking about that while you were talking about the police and how they cause more yeah. trouble than they're worth and that kind of thing. So, um, a lot of different systems are becoming privatized. So, like healthcare is, I believe, always been private, um, or mm. at least largely private in the states aside from things like uh medicaid medicare which again are still like it's the government paying a private company to uh treat you medically um so that is a little bit different but and we're trying there's there's a bit of a push to go in the other direction for that now but at the same time um prisons are largely being allowed and i think it's Oh, geez. Is it federal? Or is it just state? I can't remember right now, but I believe it's state prisons um, are allowed to be uh, contracted out. So like there's a company that will build a prison and then they have a contract with the state saying this many beds will be filled like as an estimate, basically. Um, and that makes it a viable thing for this private company to actually run this institution where people are just in prison. Um, but the problem with that is, and I, I don't know exactly why that became a thing, 
But the problem with that that I see is that that gives incentive the government an incentive to lock people mm -hmm. up mm -hmm. because there is also usually a clause in there that says if we're not at eighty percent capacity, then the government will pay us X amount of dollars above and beyond what we make if we were full mm. as like a penalty fee almost. But it's just, again, it's insurance to make sure that the company that's running the prison is still making money off of it or still at least viable um, instead of just like losing money like crazy. Mm. Yeah. Uh, but because you have to have X amount of people in this prison, um, laws get changed or enforced differently or whatever and target specific groups of people and then all of a sudden everything is more strict and laws are being enforced differently and then this prison fills up so then what happens is that private company or some other private company will make another prison which has the same contract so it's a snowball effect where by like people are more and more getting I guess to a greater and greater extent getting imprisoned for a profit and it just it boggles my mind that that is a situation that we find ourselves in but yeah mm, is yeah. it also is it also like I've seen this in a couple of like movies kind of thing where like the prison um prisons they like get the prisoners like working and stuff like that as well yeah and like yep. and 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 make and turn a profit that way as well through products yeah. made and stuff like that like so yep. it's almost um, like in, yeah, actually like, it's almost like slavery right hmm. it, essentially, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> or do they earn money do the prisoners earn money on no they, they don't wow. i mean they might earn like cents on the dollar mm. compared to what somebody else on the outside would make but they essentially that has to be paid for them to stay in prison yeah yeah, right. So like Sounds you a owe a bunch of money. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was gonna look up. Oh, uh, what do prison workers? So most of the time, um, and obviously we don't know about your own specific contracts, but most of the time, you have what's called a take or pay contract. Um, so basically that will guarantee them a certain um. I guess, baseline revenue stream. So if you're saying like, for instance, like an 80%, um, whatever the word is, occupancy rate. Yeah. Generally, that would mean if it's 70% occupied, then they're still fulfilling the 80% revenue. Um, so there'll be like a baseline revenue that the government will guarantee them so that that company will, but they won't normally be paying in excess of the 100%, like you said, just because yeah, they have capacity, so... I don't know how prevalent that is, but it is a thing that does exist. And that in and of itself, I think, is problematic. Um, yeah. Because it, it is a penalty above and beyond what they would normally be paying. Hmm. So it, it just creates such an, a strong incentive to put more people in there. And that's not what we should be doing. So we have, um, in Australia, apparently, we I don't know uh, have our prisons overfull in some ways. So in a lot of ways, what we hear is that um, they are, I guess, releasing people without, um, what's the word, jail time or sentencing or like appropriate sentencing because we just don't have the capacity for them. <laughs> so a lot of the times um, we'll have like a range, like, I don't know, five to 10 years, and we're always having to go at the bottom end of the range because we just have a capacity issue. 
and mm-hmm. so we end up having a lot of people um probably should, fulfill should be punished more yeah should have a jail sentence but they end up getting um, right. suspended sentence or something along those lines because right. we physically can't fit them in and there's both good and bad parts about that i guess you you're having the issue where they're potentially a bit overzealous is what you're what you're yeah. saying and, and we're yeah. probably at the other end of that spectrum where we can't afford in some cases to apply the the law probably to its effect that it was designed yeah and i think i think that may be part of what caused us to go the route that we did um because there was like that was an issue here too um and i think to some extent it still is which is again mind-boggling because you know there is this other industry which is stepping in and saying we'll uh shoulder the burden here mm-hmm. um but hmm. Still, there in certain areas, at least, there's still overcrowding issues. Yeah, is that? So. Yeah, uh, we actually um, we don't have a lot of things that are like privatized over here in terms of like public services, right? Mm-hmm. Um, like uh... I know that <clears throat> Telstra used to be. I know that from what I know, Telstra used to be a government. Yeah. Own, so t- yeah. Telstra is our net, like our main, well now it's our main um, okay. telecommunications company in Australia. So that used to be like a government entity and has since been privatized. Yeah. Yeah. And then um, is the MBN private? The, the MBN is government. The MBN is government. Okay, cool. Yeah. But we don't, we don't have a lot of like our... They've I been selling like... off a lot of utilities and things like that. Mm. Okay. Yeah. I, I don't know a lot about it. We have um, some like government regulated utilities, but not government run utilities, which is yeah. an interesting world too. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, what but, does that mean? Sorry. Um, so like general electric, let's say, or like consumers energy is actually like, that's the company that provides my electricity and my gas for my heat. Mm-hmm. Um, so that is a private entity, but it's, heavily regulated by the government because it's the only company that has the infrastructure to mm. provide those things. Mm. Okay. So there's no competition there. It's a monopoly. Mm. Um, but there are just laws that are put in place to say, okay, you can still operate and you can make money, but it's going to be real strict because mm. you're the only ones who can do this and people need this stuff. I assume that ours is like Western Power and that is the same. I'm not so, well, for gas, we actually have exactly the same arrangement. Yeah. I think the French, uh, French, I think they're French, a called, company called Atco owns a large portion of our gas pipeline network in, mm. in Perth. Um, and so the government literally says, I can't remember the number, but you can make, I think it's about $180 million revenue per year. That's it. And that, that's, and that's what it. we've decided you're allowed <laughs> Interesting. So we don't we don't really care how you charge customers that as long as you do it on an equitable basis and that's how much you can make, and then that will revise the contract in four years or something like that. So it's exactly yeah. the same as what Yvette said. It's a it's a government regulated thing because they essentially have a monopoly over public infrastructure. Um, I'm assuming that fuel is similar as well, right? Because like people need fuel, <clears throat> like and that the I, like the price doesn't fluctuate that much you're talking like automotive yeah yeah yeah. you guys call it gas (laughs) yeah gasoline i'm familiar with petrol too sorry yeah um Uh, gas uh gas um petrol or (laughs) gasoline or whatever we're gonna call it is not the same 
I didn't think so. That's a tough company. Because there's more than one competitor yeah. in the market. Yeah, and there's no... Because the difference yeah. is that we're talking about infrastructure mm. versus supply. and there Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I assume yeah, we yeah. import a lot of it too. Mm. Yeah, cool. Um, so I just... I did look up, just because I was curious, uh, prison workers, like prisoners who are working. Mm -hmm. um, I'm just reading this straight from a Newsweek article, but some prisoners in eight states, Alabama, Arkansas, Florida, Georgia, Mississippi, Oklahoma, South Carolina, and Texas are not paid at all for their labor in government-run facilities. Mm -hmm. um, and then the national average receiving the least compensation for their maintenance. Sorry, it keeps jumping up and down because ads appear. <laughs> uh, the national average for inmates receiving the least compensation for their maintenance work in these prisons is 14 cents per hour. Uh, and the countrywide average for those re receiving the most for the same type of labor is 63 cents per hour. No, so, like, they might get paid, but they're not getting paid. Like, yeah, it's, right. it's, those are, those it's are pretty just so we can say it's not totally The free. average for yeah. the most. What does that even mean? Well, it's, <laughs> but what it it's doesn't matter. Is the the average, range is, yeah, the range is bad. The average <laughs> for the range is 14 to 63 cents. Yeah, it's yeah, bad either way, but the stat's atrocious. Yeah. <laughs> Um, oh, also, inmates in Minnesota, <laughs> inmates in Minnesota and New Jersey can receive the highest hourly rate for prison maintenance jobs, which is two dollars per hour. So, like, top line, most you could possibly make is two dollars an hour. Well, there you go. In go government run facilities, I don't, I don't know exactly what deal, the breakdown deal. is in privately run ones, but. Hey. So yeah, it's not just a thing in the movie. Like I don't know if they necessarily stamp license plates anymore, but they used to. Yeah. Man, I can't believe Minnesota pays Andrew Wiggins thirty million a year. <laughs> that that is criminal, man. Okay. Oh, All right, there was um one more topic that I really really wanted to um ask you guys um, and I see it as uh, Australian. Well, I see Australia in one sense, and then America heading in a very similar direction. And that was around immigration. So I'll try and explain it properly the first time. So um, I, like my, my take on it is that um, we have super, super harsh immigration laws um, in Australia. And I see, um, you know, your presence like retweeting things that are like, well, much can be learned from this policy, um, which is even harsher than yours. And then um, I feel like, and I've talked about this with Porkins, if I could make an argument... Uh, firstly, economically, and secondly, um, ethically, like saving lives um, for the increase of immigration. Why can't the conversation be instead of, um, you know, how much how much can we keep out, and and then why can't it be like the conversation be around more like can we negate the negative effects of this while we let in and process as many people as we possibly can and increase the positive effects of it. And by immigration, you don't mean immigration, right? You mean refugees. No, both. Okay, because they're yeah. very different. Uh, but still, um, I would still say, I still would argue for both um, in the same way. I mean, like I said, eth like yeah. um, economic migrants and um, refugees, I'd still, I'd still argue both of them. So, so, you go, sorry. Uh, okay, um, so interestingly enough, I, I want to say it was the Trump administration um, did a study to see how much of a drain immigrants are and i don't i don't remember if it was immigrants illegal aliens or refugees specifically mm. but it was one of those groups 
Mm. I want to say it was illegal, illegal aliens, like people who entered the country. Um, and this study after it was done was kind of like swept under the rug because they found out that we actually like they generate more revenue than they mm. take away. All like all economists not, will agree on that. They're not a drain on the like the public systems because yeah. they're not allowed to take advantage of a lot of them. Mm. So like they can't be a drain on that system. And mm. then a lot of them will go like especially like we call them now we call them dreamers. Um, people who are first generation or like who were brought here when they were like one or two years old or whatever, um, they are still technically illegal immigrants, but some of them don't even know that until like 15, 16, 17. Yeah. Yeah. Um, or, you know, whatever age, but they, they contribute to American society just as much or, and, uh, the economic growth just as much or more than people who live here and our citizens so it's i think there's something to be said for that argument that you're saying is like how can we offset it and can we mm. possibly benefit from bringing more people in it seems like in the short term there's going to be costs obviously and i was i was actually saying this to porkins we took this ridiculously long drive home because all the roads were shut we have like we have like i don't know what you <laughs> so guys call it in works. america but we we have a freeway which is like we have like one main road basically that goes through highway highway uh, do you guys call it highways but we have like one of those well in Perth, we have right? freeways expressways and highways i'm sure you have <laughs> way more than us we have one and if, <laughs> and if an exit if one of the like uh-huh. exit things is is blocked off and like yeah and so we we had to like with a like drive, I don't know, like maybe drive back like twenty k's round trip or no, nah, maybe not that far, maybe maybe fifteen. But anyway, we had a good talk mm-hmm. about it, and I was um, flip. I can't even remember what I was talking about. Now. <laughs> We're talking um, about short the long term, chat we yes, had on the long drive, long drive. <laughs> but but short term, and I, and I feel like maybe this is why. So if a government understood that in the long run, um, as m- like I'm going to say, most now most economists do understand that it's um, immigration. Is a is a really positive thing for your country economically, um, but they but there's a huge cost um, initially. Our governments are running like three year systems, so it's really hard for them to justify a short term um, mm-hmm. expenditure of money because then they're like, oh, we're in a budget deficit. No one's going to pay for. No one's going to vote for us next time. I don't know if that makes sense, but feels like maybe how, that's how long are the terms for like your the people who run your government? I don't know if you have Congress or like Parliament or what. Is it three years? Parliament? Okay. Hawkins will know? I don't know. I thought it was four, but uh, I guess so. Four. Four, maybe it's Okay. I feel like Um, after three, they can call an election. Yeah, there's some sort of like six month period they can decide to call an election within. Yeah. Yeah. Um, We have so we have two parts of Congress. We've got the House of Representatives. um, People in the House of Representatives are representatives for two years, Mm -hmm. uh, or their term lasts for two years. And then um, for the Senate, it's six years. So again, like the Senate is one of the longer terms in like our government, generally speaking. Mm. Um, but yeah, I can see why, like if you guys have the same thing going on over there, why people wouldn't be excited to do th- something in the short term because an election is coming up and they have to get elected. Mm. So. No, it's three. Three. Three? Yeah. It's, three. Okay. it's three yeah. and six. Fine. So they're three they're worried six. about creating that budget deficit within the short term, rather than and it's and I suppose a lot of things are that way. At least that's what it seems yeah. like to me. I I just I don't really understand why we have this ridiculously hardline policy. 
So I felt a bit um, because I mean, it's a bit different, obviously, having a chat on and having a chat in in the car on yeah. a massive detour on the way home. But I felt a bit undercooked <laughs> on this, so I actually had a look into some stats. Mm. Um, and we yeah. take a hundred and sixty thousand between one hundred and sixty and one hundred and ninety, depending on the year, mm. like economic immigrants every year, mm. and then between fifteen and twenty thousand refugees. Mm. What and apparent does taking the refugees mean though? <laughs> Um, as in giving them residency, I believe. Okay, okay, okay. And they reckon that, and this is this, uh, and once again, this is just some reading I did this afternoon. They reckon that the majority of these come on tourist visas and then apply for refugee when they're here. Mm, yeah, right. And so, um, I don't have a. So I guess the this is why I said before that there's a bit of a difference between kind of immigrant and refugee because. In Australia, we took this very hardline policy to if you arrive to our country by boat, as in like attempt to, you know, get across our border by boat because we have these huge oceans between us. <clears throat> um, then we took this hardline policy that we will not let you settle in our country, and there was there was a couple of reasons for that, and one of them is obviously they don't want illegal immigration, but the other mm. one is a lot of people are drowning in the ocean. So there's kind of both ways because they're arriving on these yeah. boats. From yeah you know. so mm. and then um like uh and then i was saying they, they they should make it easier for people to to come in that's why yeah yeah it's, it's, it's very so hard i think what they're here. saying is like people are getting here via planes on tourist visas mm. and then taking the refugee status and then i guess the counter argument that is if you're a true 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 refugee maybe you can't afford the plane yeah definitely but, yeah, but basically, the the reason that I thought there might be a distinction here is because we take a lot of immigrants, like economic immigrants, but we don't. We have taken a really hardline policy on refugees trying to reach mm. our country by a boat, and there's been, I would say, unequivocally some human rights travesties that have happened after mm. that with our detaining of them. So yeah, but it's it's like the opposite to what I was saying. It's human rights travesties. And it costs us ridiculous amounts of money. It's it's like it costs oh, I actually, staggering amounts of money. It's Absolutely. like half a million dollars per year per person um, to hold them in an offshore detention center. That's a ridiculous amount of money. <laughs> like yeah. it's crazy. Well, and the same thing is going on here now with uh, detention centers that we have set up. I think it's can't remember what the figure. I think it's like seven or eight thousand dollars a day per person. Yeah. And like, there's all these people who are saying, "Oh, well, you're so sorry for the refugees. Why don't you just put them up?" Well, I saw a meme about this very thing. It was like, if I could get $7,000 a day to put somebody up in my house who's coming from like a really terrible place that they can't survive anymore, mm. send them my way. I won't do anything else. Like, I'll just hang out with them all the time. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's like, what, uh, 300 times that is like two, probably close to 3 million a yeah. year. Yeah. It's <laughs> crazy. It's, it's so much money. <laughs> what the what are we even talking about here? So, so anyway. what I know you, so you're saying like take as much as we can, right. Or like mm. increase the number of people that we can take. But what mm. is, what is that number? You know, what is that number before we not, we're not a nation anymore and we completely open borders society where people come and go as they please. Right. And why, and why do we have borders in the first place? Why not just, why is the whole world not open borders? It's because mm. of security and it's because of limited resources. Quality of life. Quality of life. Um, yeah. And so, so I don't, like, I get that. I definitely am in the camp of 
more immigration. Mm. I lo- I like living in a multicultural society with the more voices, the better, the more differing opinions and whatever. I, I think it, it just adds to it, but there's got to be, there's, there's got to be a limit, I think, yeah. because then what, what, what would happen is if we were all open border societies, half of the world would be unpopulated because everybody would just flock to the the best places to live. Mm. Right. Uh, yes and no. I think there's a lot of, um, what's the word, like cultural bonds that keeps people together. Like there's, mm. there's parts of the world that, um, yeah, they don't have, I guess, in inverted commas, that first world lifestyle, but they don't want to leave because of what they have there, if you know what I mean. So definitely where there would be migration, but there are also things that would retain a population in parts of the world that we might not see as ideal. Yeah, and then like people, so I'm, I'm a relatively um, big believer in capitalism in a way, like, or at least that these things come out in the wash. So, um, we're, we're like pretty wealthy, um, and we have the means to make ourselves very wealthy. And if we, and if we took on more people and they increased the uh, overall wealth of our country, and if we, like, if we didn't, that's going to, that's going to be a quality of life increase, I think to an extent, like we, we are so underpopulated in Australia for our size. Um, but if you didn't want to live in a super populated place, then you could also move to a, like we could move to um, places that have got less population along the similar. Um, so, yeah, but then, so are you for complete immigration? Like, uh, like open borders. Haven't thought about it enough, but um, I'm definitely for the conversation being mass increase and trying to negate the negative effects of that rather than the conversation being about um, let's stop all of the immigration, which it seems to always be about. If what are the negative effects of immigration? Like the short-term effects. Um, like, um, and I know that the, the job situation isn't a zero-sum equation, but um, low-skilled workers come in and take the low-skilled Australian workers' jobs, um, etc. But, but if they're here, then they're, they are Australian. Yeah, now. yeah. And, they, and, and so in the long run, they have it's... have as much right to it as... Yeah, yeah. And, and in the long run, it's very good for the economy. Like that increases the amount of jobs. That's why it's not a zero-sum equation. But, but yeah. that, that but but like, so like telling that to somebody... It's not a negative, right? Well, but, but I mean, telling that to so, telling that to a low skilled worker, they they would they'd see that as negative <laughs> if yeah, they're losing I mean, their job. I mean, it could be it could be argued that it is a negative effect because um, it creates more competition in that job market. Mm. So whether or not whether or not like they're considered Australians at that point, like let's say they are because they have come in and become citizens or whatever, mm. that still means there are more people fighting for the same jobs. But then again, that is an argument here. And most of the people who come in and take those jobs are taking jobs that people who work or who live here don't want. Perfect example. Um, a lot of uh, there are a lot of migrant workers who are like seasonal workers who will come up. I don't know if it's as true anymore, like at present day, but like five years ago, um, there were a lot of people who would come up and do like seasonal harvesting work. Um, and like California is one place, one example. Uh, where people would come up from Mexico, they would go to California, they would work, they would take that money and go back home and like give that to their family and help support them. Mm. And so in some sense, like there, there's an economic strain there because they're taking money from our economy and taking it back home. But like, mm. it's such a minuscule amount. Like yeah. I don't, I don't consider mm. that to be a huge drain. 
especially considering the good that they're doing. So mm. now that all of these hardline immigration policies are being enforced here the way they are, um, I listened to a story on NPR recently uh, that was talking about how, like, they're like speaking with a farmer in California, there aren't literally not enough people who are willing to do that work. Mm. So there, there are sections of farmland that are just not. Do you say in California? Harvest. Yeah. That's hectic. <laughs> there Cal- are, yeah, in general too. <clears throat> wow. I mean, Michigan has migrant workers who come up to like for right. um, blueberries and cherries and apples and stuff like that. Um, and I don't know. I the, the reason I bring up California is because that's where the person the the news story I was listening to was from. Yeah, but, I mean, Cali has like, a ridiculous amount of um, migrants and, and a whole lot of them illegal as well. But their economy is great. But, <laughs> but literally without these migrants coming in, there's no one to do the work. Mm. So I feel like that to. argument can... Yeah, yeah, no one who wants to, no one who's mm. willing to. So I yeah. feel like that argument is... I don't know. I don't know what it's like in Australia and it depends on what specifically you're talking about in the u.s but i don't know that it necessarily holds as much water as some people mm. are trying to shove into that bucket no and then people go the other way where they say yeah but then you're exploiting these people because they work for a lower wage but i mean if they're if they're coming here they're they're economic migrants they they want to they're coming from something worse obviously right well one thing i've always people. heard is if is if you lose your job to someone who can't speak english you probably didn't deserve your job <laughs> yep. oh, yeah yeah 100 yeah, it's it's a. I think there's a, a bit of a culture of fear. Well, no, not a bit. Like I think that um, governments can use it and people can use a culture of fear to stop these conversations from saying it's possible to have a net positive from increasing the amount of. Um, well, I, I think it's always going to be a net positive from increasing the amount of Im, um, immigration. Why can't we then just try and tip the scales further and further to being more and more positive? So I think there's probably in Australia we have a slightly different. Um, slightly different what's the word a lot of our wealth and this is both a good and a bad thing for our country but a large portion of our wealth is derived from natural resources Mm. and that um bringing more people into the country will like on a i don't know how you want to say this but on an allocation level may actually dilute the the wealth per per capita because like we don't have other markets like in Silicon Valley or something, which is, I guess, a self-sustaining injury industry or banking or things like that. Mm. This is literally just, we get a certain amount of money out of the ground and that has to go across everyone. Um, and that has uh, a large, uh, large benefits for our country because we're like quite wealthy and mm. that does kind of flow down the economy, even though only whatever it is, 5% of people actually get access to that wealth when they start spending it. Obviously, it kind of washes through our economy. But then, like, especially guys in America probably don't know this, but it's it's made like a really big, what they call here, like a two-speed economy where you have people with a lot of money. The cost of living has gone up, but not everyone else is going with it. So yeah, it's become it's like a really hard too, yeah. lifestyle to, to live in. Mm-hmm. Um, for some people because of like the inflation in the cost of living has gone up so much, but the, I guess the income isn't being um, evenly distributed across the population. Mm. So do you guys have thought, I, we, we don't have to go too deep into this, but do you guys have thoughts about um, like wealth disparity and wealth redistribution and things like that? Um, so you got real like, quiet. I, mean, <laughs> no, I definitely have heaps, um, but um, how much do we want to go into? Um, 
because like like Qualcomm was saying, we've got um this uh this maybe a level of people who are um, not at the education or the the um what would you say the circumstance to be able to reach that um that second road. So I'm I'm like um I think the term is a social democrat where I th- I'm I think that a free market is brilliant and that seems to produce a lot of wealth for a country. However. I do believe that a lot of stuff like education and um, healthcare in particular should be um, subsidized and, and made more social, I guess, so um, that people can then participate in that free market because people are down there and they, they're struggling and, and they just need to get into that market to help the country, to help everyone. So that, that's kind of where I am. I, I, I don't know about the terms so much, but I think that's where I am anyway. So that probably circles back in some ways, I guess, to our our college or university chat we're having before. Mm, Yeah, yeah. Everyone has access to all well, all levels of of education, I guess, like primary, secondary, and tertiary education, and there's no liability to pay that back imminently, if that makes sense. So you, if you kind of get access to tertiary education, then you don't have to pay that back until you earn sufficiently to kind of carry that burden so Mm. we do have i guess steps of that in place in australia which fresh and i also spoke about on that car ride Mm -hmm. (laughs) that fateful car ride (laughs) (laughs) it's road construction season in michigan too right now so we have winter and we have road construction but do you guys have more than one main road (laughs) oh yeah uh yes but somehow all of them seem to get blocked off and only one of them maybe is getting worked on at a time (laughs) and and all of them are still covered with potholes all the time Mm. i don't don't know whatever (laughs) um back to redistribution of wealth sorry (laughs) i like the potholes (laughs) and the long drive but um we actually had this really interesting thing happen recently which um we were talking about porkins which um i think it was mainly a vote grab, right? The the government who came in, um, but they basically they they flattened out a lot of the um, tax brackets, and then there's promise to flatten it out even further. So like I got like just a random thousand dollars back at my tax return, and they're like, "Cause you're in the uh, high wage gap thing, here, you get this much money and so on." And um, I was like, "Like that's so weird." Um, I know that they're they're getting the votes from the people um, because they want more more money, obviously. But it, yeah, I'm 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 more of I'm definitely more of a fan of a steeper gradient of taxation than than something like that. That that uh, yeah. Well, how far do we want to? <laughs> that, we have some oh, like, yeah. weird macroeconomic factors in Australia at the moment. Yeah, so I guess so. Was it just do you trying think... to stimulate the economy without touching the interest rates? But then they did the interest rates as well. Is that is that so, what it was like? Because the interest rates are so low, they're just like people need to spend more money. Yeah, that, that was yeah. why they gave us the free kick, and oh, and it just happened to coincide with an election. So. Okay. That, you be that the makes judge, more sense. But, that makes yeah. more sense. <laughs> yeah. It just seems that um, the, uh, plenty of people could have used that money. <laughs> it was poor. Yeah, potentially. Um, I really want to talk about um, the amount of dangerous animals comparison between the US and okay. Australia. Okay, I'm down to this. <laughs> not to like move on to something that's just like ridiculously not deep at all. No, that's fine. <laughs> but... <laughs> But I was just starting my macroeconomic talk. Man. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, like, that. Right out there, and I was feeling completely outstripped. And I was just like, you know what's terrifying? Bears, bears. beasts, stuff. <laughs> bears, bears. Bears and wolves. I don't, they are terrifying. 
and people mm. always accuse Australia of having heaps of dangerous animals because we've got yeah. like tiny bug spiders and like and snakes that are like so it's the most dangerous creatures. yeah most dangerous animal that you guys have there you also, you also have kangaroos uh, which will fuck you up <laughs> <laughs> yeah hey, hey, uh, big red kangaroos definitely can mess you up oh but, my um, gosh yeah like we i mean I, get, I i don't know the stats on what kills the most but like we've got no but like what have we got? We've, got, like, we've got um so we got, they're pretty terrifying yeah yeah we got sharks um, but like you guys spiders have and snakes well. yeah. yeah yeah sharks crocodiles um, spiders snakes crocodiles yeah. but like you guys have you guys crocodiles. have alligators we have alligators you guys not yeah. have bear? we don't have bears we do not have bears we, we have do not have bears Drop bears. Well, <laughs> <do> you... <laughs> well, do you have anything that's like mammal wise that's bigger than I was a actually dingo? trying to think like, about that. Predator wise? No, no, no the no. difference between no, your country and ours is you won't see ours coming, but you'll still die. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Nice. Yeah. But like for me, the idea, like a bear to me, a bear and like probably a wolf, a wolf pack as well, are like sharks, but they're on land as well. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah right. you know? pretty much. So, like, yeah. how about I don't know. snakes? Like, <clears throat> I mean, I'm sure y'all, you guys have snakes, right? Yeah, unless we got pretty you're bad like, snakes, unless so. you're like really remote, dying from a snake bite is becoming true, less, less and less, and less common. common. But people do get um, bitten I mean, by deadly she, snakes very often here. Snake bites are real. I'm about to say you guys have like fair. rattlesnakes and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, you guys got no. rattlesnakes. We've got yeah, unless you're really worse remote, than rattlesnakes, you're right? not going to run into a bear or a wolf either. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> in certain regions we do. We have rattlesnakes. Wear some thick boots and like a couple of like and like the right pants of pairs and, of socks. and you're not going to get a snake bite pretty well much snake bites are very common but but people dying is very uncommon these yeah. days they, yeah. they got, so um, I, there's yeah. like a anti-venom like a general anti-venom now pretty much for mm. most pretty much all snake bites mm. that can be administered um so you don't even have to know and, necessarily mm. what, what well, you've only got now. like what? you've only got like 40 minutes for something yeah but unless you're like ridiculously remote like people of um and stuff like that have yeah. uh, like can uh, like administer snake antivenom and stuff like that like it's yeah. it's very rare it's very rare yeah i think we increased a lot of awareness around how to how to deal with them and that helped heaps and then people mm. um i think for, for, i don't know about 40 minutes that seems very short because i'm pretty i've had plenty of stories of people who've survived it like, depends on the time. snake but don't we have like oh, five yeah. of the most of the top seven most poisonous snakes in the world look and i think i yeah. think that's why we yeah, get we a bad rap yeah. but what i'm trying to say is everybody should be Bears. terrified of america <laughs> <laughs> what about, now do you guys have like um bad rap. like lions you have like mountain lions no, or no, cougars or anything no. like a dingo is like the size of like a dog a, a big dog a, a dog, dog. Yeah, a, big yeah, dog. Big a big dog not a massive dog probably the like size of your guys dogs actually and that's how big yeah, it is yeah that's a, that's a dingo i don't think people died of dingo right, so, so i don't I well, coyotes um <laughs> i know, no, I know dingo ate my but... baby yeah dingo stole my baby <laughs> Sorry, i couldn't i couldn't not yeah I yeah, yeah. <laughs> a baby once that died one, to a dingo. that one story that one time actually didn't happen maybe she murdered her kid what do you mean are you kidding wait surely you're memeing about that like she that she killed her kid no, no, didn't she get? That was actually what like, happened. That's or what they thought, got... but no, no, no. A dingo, a dingo definitely killed her baby. But they, but everyone, because no, 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 she's no, a crazy no, no, person. No, no, you, no. No, 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 no. Are we talking it about the Chamberlain speculation. lady? Speculation. There's yeah. no way. They, no way. They, they ended up proving it. They, she definitely, definitely didn't kill a kid in the end. But everyone thought she did. Hundred percent. I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. Someone's watching Michael Moore. I'm gonna go now. Um, yeah, but. Um, 
Yeah, I just I just wanted to touch on it. I yeah. feel like personally, I feel like Australia wins when it comes to dangerous animals. We, you guys should, everybody should come here and get away oh, from win, these bears. Yeah, winning meaning you have the safest. Yes, sorry, not the most dangerous. Definitely but, not the least scary. Yeah, but, but for also, some reason like, we have a really bad rap for it. Yeah, you bring up bears, but like we, you're not going to run into a bear unless you're in a really generally yeah, speaking i've seen the yeah, revenant generally. leonardo dicaprio got pretty messed up by that. <laughs> yeah and, and he wasn't in a city center right <laughs> <laughs> no he was yeah i, I think like that great. just comes down to well no i guess somebody Snakes brought this up we, we have about the same um <laughs> that's got the best <laughs> the best uh oh shoot what's the word um, edited for like tv oh uh, yeah 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 <laughs> the best dub it's yeah. got the best dub ever yep um, yeah. it's, I've had it with these monkey fighting snakes on this Monday to Friday play. <laughs> I saw that on TV and just lost That's it. That's so it funny. Monday to Friday. Um, yeah, well, like, but, there's, I know, I know I've been told by someone who was like, yeah, like if I'm going for a hike, I take a gun that can stop a bear because mm. he's like, he lives in an area, obviously. I know, I know I'm being generalized yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, there's yeah, bears with yes. there's parts with bears and parts with not he lives in an area yes. where there's bears he wants to go for yeah. a hike he takes a he takes a fucking gun yeah a bear <laughs> Mate, they gun. take guns everywhere what, what are you talking about gun? what is that like an smg i don't, yeah. I don't, I don't know he's like no honestly that wouldn't do it yeah i meant to say lmg yeah okay there you go that would be and and um and like bear spray and like all this stuff and like, I would say bear spray is more common for protection than yeah. guns. Yeah. Jeez, imagine and a bear like, running at you and be like, not, they... like what? Is, what? No, believe it or not, you're not supposed to really. You're not supposed to like be scared. You're supposed yeah. to be bigger and badder yeah. than the bear. I mean, not that you're not going to be shitting your pants the whole time. Like, yeah. oh my god, there's a bear really nearby. Yeah. But you're you're supposed to just act normal. And well, I mean, I, to, they... even just taking. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I interrupted. No, no, you're fine. No, you're fine. I was in. I was in an area where camping and they're like yeah well you know bear just had cubs nearby so just giving you that warning i'm like great mm. <laughs> any chance yeah. to get the campsite that is furthest from the bear <laughs> uh but they're um, like if you see them just i don't know, get big there. make a lot of noise just like just make sure <laughs> that they are aware that you were there and keep on moving once I'm like, again a case of the yeah, tall people no. having an advantage in life <laughs> <laughs> and i'm stuck yeah. here Supposedly. i'll be the one who dies and, and you guys to, are just like if yep, a bear wants can. to hunt me down i'm not gonna fight fresh it. fresh i'll just push you on my shoulders that's why it's <laughs> like a yeah, bear good. hug and die <laughs> that's why it's become commonplace and that's why it's accepted to call people out on tall they are yeah because yeah it's a privilege it's a privilege yeah, yeah. do you play basketball yeah. surely you play basketball it's yeah. a privilege <laughs> only basketball everyone's there's no other sports everyone's jealous so play. similar to roxy's story i was on a camping trip but this was like the, it was not a predator at all but um are you guys like familiar with the size of a moose uh yeah they're huge they're like a giant yeah. horse like giant yeah. Huh? yeah so i went to um the only national park in michigan uh we have a bunch of state parks but it's an island which is in the middle of kind of in the middle of lake superior um and it's called isle royal and the two major like the two big animals that live there are moose and wolves 
neither of which are indigenous to the island, but both of which live there now. <laughs> What's the plural um, of moose? Is it moose or is it meese? It's mooses? Just, it's moose. Mooses. Just moose. <laughs> it's just moose. moose just you don't moose. change it. Wait, so it goes to one moose, two two moose. Moose. Two moose. All three right. moose. Yes. You know what we one is? Um, it's what, definitely what gotta go to moose. One one sheep, two sheeps? No, you just say <laughs> sheep. Moose. So sheep, yeah. 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 Or so deer. deer as well. <laughs> anyway, right. so I went yeah. on this anyway. camping trip. <laughs> and uh the the first night we were like backpacking across the island, but the first night we were there we were staying in like the the main campsite and uh that night we saw a cow moose wandering around with her calf. All right. And I mean, the calf was probably like at least three or 400 pounds. Like they're not small animals. Wow. Wow. Um, but this thing was like, the two of them were just kind of wandering through the campsites and we just didn't do anything. We just let them do their thing. And we didn't pay any, like we watched them, but we didn't pay them any special attention. Just like kept an eye on them. But um, I woke up the next morning and like seven o'clock in the morning, like sun was coming up kind of thing. And I stuck my head out of my tent and about a foot away from my face was this cow moose's snout. <laughs> oh, wow. And it was just like coming over to check our campsite out a little bit closer. <laughs> and like this thing was bigger than the tent that my mom, my brother and I were all sleeping. In. <laughs> yeah. So That's like it doesn't even have to be a predator for it to be terrifying, especially like Roxy was saying, like it had a calf mm -hmm. that bear yeah. had had cubs like just just stay away if you can and if you can't just don't don't antagonize it you're making more and more of a case i feel like we win your tent yeah yeah you just i think as far as dangerous animals dangerous animals guys we got less we win we win everybody come here for holidays come here for holidays yay immigrate here immigration migration you guys have a lot less animals generally speaking because a lot of it's just desert uh, yeah, I, I think that's why we have dangerous ones because the ones that survive in that place are like, geez, you got to be, you'll be hardy. Yeah. Yeah, no. I feel like anything. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. No, I'll, mm. I'll grant you that. Okay. So I do have a question. Mm. This would yeah. be very, very um, stereotypical. What about kangaroos? Talk to us about kangaroos, please. Like they're fine. Like, um, so kangaroo meat is amazing. I, I mean, How personally, often are, I, really like it. I want, I want stats. I want. The amount that you'll see on a daily, weekly, monthly basis, what, in what areas? Okay, okay. So, yeah, well, no, are they like us where you see a deer just running across the street? You just you see like a, yeah, a yeah. kangaroo popping across Yeah, do you road? have to like swerve to avoid them? With <laughs> yeah, they're, they're really bad at like, yeah, they're like they're really deers. They're, they go into like the deers, car. Yeah. yeah. And the kangaroos the are worse too because they jump and they just through the windshield. But, um, oh, jeez. Porkins, uh, so I feel like in terms of, so I feel like Woke would never see them on a daily basis. Would that be true, Woke? Never. And Porkins would see them more than I would. Would that be true? How many do you, do you reckon you see one a day? If I was going to work, I yeah. would not see one. True, but true. if I was going five minutes from my house, I could see 50. Yeah, if I okay. to. yeah there you go. So, Whereas I would yeah. see one a week, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. But I have to go there. But yeah, in our like parks, in our area, yeah. mm. they're very easy to find. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So well, it, parks is probably a weird term. Like yeah. in our... In our forest land. <laughs> so whereabouts like in local bushland. Do you guys live? Local like bushland. south, um, east, west Australia. So to I'm, put it very generic. Like so generally. we're we're all we all live in all three of us live in Perth. Mm. Um, we mm. know each other IRL. 
So um, we're probably about 20 minutes drive away from each other. Mm. Yeah. Woke so, lives in like an urban hipster environment. <laughs> Hence the and ginger then, beard. Fresh nibs lives kind of hey near now. the water, and I live kind of less near the water. So that's we're, kind of we're all not. So Woke's probably, what do you reckon, 20 minutes north of the city, though, Woke, where you live? Yep. And then Porkins is another 20 minutes north of that. And, and then by I'm, the city, we mean CBD. The Perth CBD, like, yeah, okay. yeah. And then yeah, I'm another it. like 20 minutes probably ish north of yeah. that. Yeah. We're all inside. All right, I'm looking up your addresses right now. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, Dogs. Social um, security number. But yeah, no, I was just looking where Perth was on the you, continent. If you go, if you go any country driving, or like if you go to the country, there's kangaroos there. Yeah. 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 Um, okay. and, sorry, by the country, yeah, I mean, they're prevalent. Not CBD. Mm. Or on any golf course. Oh, golf courses. Wow. <laughs> I love golf courses. Yeah, you okay. golf course kangaroos everywhere. One of the few so, yeah, good shots like in my your life. Version of our gear. <laughs> One of the few so good shots in my life, Western. I hit it from like 80 meters out straight onto the green, got there. There was about 15 kangaroos sitting on the green and there was a <laughs> oh, few little, little joeys. And I was like, I'm just going to mulligan. That was a great putt and kept going to the next hole. <laughs> no, <laughs> Hell no, I'm not doing that hole. No to be but, like violent? No. So, so the, the one, the, the kangaroos that we have that are in the CBD, yeah. no one, no one gets messed up by kangaroos. No, no. Okay. But you okay. wouldn't want to walk in through a pack of them when there were a few joeys and to get your golf. Yeah, ball. that's probably sure. as long yeah. as you're like smart. No. But they're not coming yeah. up. They just sure. the reason that people get yeah, messed up is they're yeah, more scared of you. they're more scared of you. But they have very um very powerful legs. Obviously, they're known for like hopping around. Right. So they, I'm having the image. And they have yeah, they've got like relatively big claws. So they and they so they just lean back and and like boot you and that and like it's not that bad, but it will do like heaps of damage to people. You'll get gotcha. massive internal bleeding yeah. if it comes to you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. You're in a bad way. Yeah. Oh, yeah. sorry. I'll tell but the likeliness of that happening without you antagonizing them is... Yeah, it's, it's really low. Zero percent. Way less than dying to bears, so we win. We win. <laughs> what would you say the ratio is of tourists who get attacked by kangaroos as opposed to, like, Australian <laughs> citizens? I don't know if yeah. I ever hear of a kangaroo attack no, on a never. yearly basis. Do never. You? No. Like, I've seen one no. or two ever. Yeah. No, see, but it, happen, it, it happens it, it, rural. It happens rural. That's and then occasionally a video on YouTube where you see some drunk guy getting in a boxing fight with a kangaroo. That's, that's <laughs> what I'm right. wondering. Is like, that's do tourists do that and get attacked? Mm. Yeah, but, but like, yeah. Have you seen that video where that that kangaroo yeah. was gonna mess that dog up? Like, yeah. that dog was yeah, not yeah. getting away from that situation alive. <laughs> and this dude just comes guy. and like punches it. Yeah. Any yeah. instances of domestication of kangaroos? Uh, yeah. People have kangaroos yeah, yeah. as pets? No, um, I don't. Think like, or is it like, is it like here if you have a chimpanzee as a pet? It's like, why the f really? Mm, I, yeah. No, not not Maybe. like that. It kind of gets like. They, they get no they no one would have a pet animal. no one would have a kangaroo pet though no no but joeys see them oh, getting yeah. nursed back to health yeah, yeah. a lot but they're wild but animals okay. they wouldn't be domestic you never have a but not have like a... a proper <laughs> sick yeah. kangaroo okay. in the backyard okay. yes. I don't feel like it would that be rewarding deep. they would just like eat your grass so and like, never come to you <laughs> yeah so fresh you said uh, kangaroo meat is delicious do they have like kangaroo farms 
Or uh, is I'm, that I mean, mostly like, just like actually hunting? You know what? There's, yeah, so yeah, so I've hunted kangaroo before. It's actually really sad hunting them because there's they're really they're not very they're a bit dumb. They're just like you shine the light on them, they just stand there until you shoot them. So I don't like hunting. I mean, it's the same thing with deer. So yeah, but deer's probably like <laughs> uh, a less domesticated, maybe so they run away. But um, I assume there's yeah. kangaroo farms. I don't. I know that people um were making a huge case for increasing the amount of kangaroo farms because they're really. Um, so cattle farms are like really bad for the um, agriculture because of like the their hooves and everything. Um, but we have heaps of cattle farms. Um, and a lot of people are saying we should increase the kangaroo farms, um, which are really good for the agriculture. And then um, and eat kangaroos more than we eat beef. But um, I think a lot of people don't like kangaroo meat. Do you guys like kangaroo meat, Hawkins and Mike? Kangaroo meat is like really healthy, isn't it? It's, so it's, well, it's so really it's lean, not, but yeah, the thing is, is that like... So... Yeah. It's really yeah. lean, but it also, it's like got a really high, I, I, I want to say iron or like magnesium content or something like that. I can't remember. I can't remember what it was. Some sort of metal that has a really high content in, in their meat. Oh, okay. um, and it's like, um, it's probably iron. That it, sense. It's probably iron. Yeah. So it's good. It's really lean. So it's really healthy, but you, there's no way you could eat kangaroo like you eat beef. Right, and you have to you have to cook it like really rare yeah, yeah. as well. Otherwise, it gets really yeah. like too chewy. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. it's like yeah. nearly bleeding, kind of. Yeah, like it's like well, rare, rare, rare is good. Yeah, but kangaroos yeah. also in Australia, kangaroos are classified as a pest mm. because we have so many. Yeah, yeah. so they, really? especially yeah. in like like they do really really rural mm. regions. Yeah. They're like they're like so many of them. huge thousand thousands and thousands strong herds of kangaroo there's more kangaroos yeah, than people geez. i'm pretty sure yeah i think that there's more kangaroos than people in australia I'm, i've heard wow. that i'm sticking by it <laughs> those yeah. are the, moral the internet facts. told me the internet told me how many kangaroos there um are. but yeah they're, they're, they're not they're not like really dangerous mm, <laughs> at all. and and they're very cute there's so many things that are going to kill you, but they're probably not one. No, yeah. yeah they're, they're <laughs> unless, unless they jump out in front of your car. <laughs> mm-hmm. You get in a car accident before it. Yeah. They, sure. they, yeah. hitting, they're bulky. You can really... That is by far the most dangerous mm. way that you come across a kangaroo. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So, yeah. so, just like Googling and taking top results... <laughs> Close to 50 million kangaroos in Australia, which is double the population <laughs> double of the humans in Australia. <laughs> like, what? Yeah. Oh my god, it's crazy that There's we don't see a lot see of deer them. here, but not that many. But you know why it is? Yeah. It's because we have that giant spot in the middle of Australia yeah. where nobody lives yeah. because nobody we, just, lives. we don't yeah. have yeah anything there. So there'd be so many kangaroos there, and camels, wild camels. We have a lot of wild camels. So if you wanted an argument wow. for legalizing guns in Australia. Is probably the one. Yeah, yeah. Well, the kind of people uh, that hunt them, I guess. Is there any other topics that you guys want to talk about? Or I feel like we questions? should start wrapping up unless we got any pointed yeah. questions. No, I'm did, okay. Is there yeah. any viewer questions in the Discord, fresh? Um. Oh yeah, I did. Um. So let's quickly let's go quickly viewer questions. So we had um. Mm-hmm. So just Nick said, "How's the economy in Australia?" I feel like we can quickly answer that by saying we're doing a lot better than a lot of places in the world. Um, and then Vibe said, uh, two questions. Do you think that prisons rehabilitate people back into society or do they force an otherwise poor choice into a system that brings the worst out in people? Do you want me to read I that I think again? that there's some things that 
for his, I think that we are too hard on like the punishments are too severe, but I definitely think that there are certain crimes that require that require a complete removal from society. Mm. Yeah. In Australia um, or just in general? Just in general. Mm. Mm -hmm. And I, I think you, what were you saying? No, no, no yeah, that's it. That's oh, my okay. point of view. Um, I think that that is another question that kind of relates to the whole privatization of prisons thing and the incentive to lock people up is like there's no real incentive to there's no incentive for the people who are in charge of these inmates to rehabilitate them other than like, mm -hmm. the goodness of their hearts because there's more money to be made if you can put more people in prison so unfortunately i think in america there's more of a focus on punishment as opposed to rehabilitation and also, once you get out, like, it's virtually impossible to do anything. Like, find mm -hmm. a place to that's live, true. find a job, do yeah. anything. So that's why the recidivism rate, in part, is so high. The first thing you do when you try to apply for a job is, we'll get a police clearance. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. So if pretty, you don't pretty clear hard it, from, like, yeah, first step. And it can, it can be a stupid mistake you made when you were, like, 18, 19 years old that ruins the rest of your life. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like on the other hand, too, though, there's also, it's just a, yeah. it's the opposite. I mean, there's just not. Hmm? It's just interesting to think about how um, how that decision is made right? for people that are locked up. Uh, life without parole versus somebody that gets five years on potentially maybe the same crime, if not worse. It's, mm. it's just, yeah. it's not exactly the most organized thing, at least in my opinion, from an. It's not an exact science. US. You, oh you probably God, have more. Like, close to a personal experience with your mom having worked there yeah and i think um i didn't have a lot of conversations with her about that she mostly told me about just stories you know crazy stories okay. yeah but actually i was listening to i was listening to howard stern on the way to work yesterday and um what a trip <laughs> he was, yeah he was telling uh he had a caller that had um, somebody that called into his channels um telling a story about how um this gentleman his brother was murdered. He was from Newport, California. And um and what happened was his brother <clears throat> his brother started dating this woman um who was going through a divorce. And what ended up happening was that woman's, you know, ex husband, in process ex husband, whatever you want to call it, hired a hitman to kill to kill his brother. Now, the hitman who actually committed the crime gets life in prison without parole. And the ex-husband, who essentially, I mean, organized this crime, mm. gets five years in prison. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. just interesting. I, I um, don't think that's... Just, we here in Australia, if that ever happens, that the, the crime does get, I guess, communicated back to the person yes. who did that as well yeah. So. yeah yeah it's just yeah it's, it's, it sounds and, and like I guess, a bit of injustice mm. apparently oh 100 apparently the first uh when it went to trial the first time the uh the husband or ex-husband um he had a mild stroke while he was on the stand oh. and so they declared a mistrial the first time oh, second ouch. time around i guess the jury decided that five years was enough or what whatever Jeez. you know however they came about that decision but it's just it's insane to think about like what is really going on <laughs> with the justice system, but that's not that's not exactly private privatization of, of prisons, but it's no, of, but you know, 
it has to deal with how people in prisons are treated and everything. Mm. Yeah. Should I get the last question? Yeah. So uh, from Vibe as well. Should Australia look to America? Oh, sorry. I should just quickly say Aussie um, asked, what do you think happens? What do you think happens after death? We answered that in the previous um, podcast, Aussie. So look that I one. wasn't here, so I'm just going to say nothing. <laughs> That's fine. That was that was what a few people said. Um, so yeah, should... I was going to say, I haven't heard yet. <laughs> <laughs> should Australia look to America for moral guidelines as the free world or do Western countries lack purpose in life that other countries have as a bigger part of their culture and have had for hundreds and in some case, thousands of years. Um, I that's a big question. Yeah, that's, that's, that's <laughs> multiple questions in there, actually. But um, so so should we look to America for like guidelines? Was like the first part of that, right? And then mm. well, the other part was do Western countries lack... Uh, lack purpose in life? So so I think he's saying yeah. Um, um, do um, other countries have more culture um, in their in their morals in their, in their spirituality? Interesting. Um, I don't. I don't think we should look to. A, no offense. <laughs> no offense, man. Here, but I don't think we should look guidelines. Mm. I think that. I think that if they've ex- if they've experienced something that we can learn off, like for example, they've implemented a law, then it's totally fine for us, and and we can see how that law played out then um, I think it, it's great to look to that, but not just America. I think anywhere where mm-hmm. something happens that we can potentially learn from is we should be looking at them. But I don't think we should specifically look to America for like moral guidelines. And I don't think that we do. I don't mm. think that that's the thing that happens. Yeah, I think um, it's um, that's like that. That's once again, the where do we get our morals from, which we, we need to do a whole podcast on that. Honestly, it's a... <laughs> Let's, uh, yeah, you could do a podcast series on that, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, and still not come to the answer properly. Yeah, we, yeah. um, yeah, I think that, um, like for example, like the example of what I'm saying, if America could look at like what Australia has done in terms of gun control <laughs> and that kind of thing, you know, and and try to at least learn from it, but I don't think that you can say that you can just defer to someone. Yeah, I don't know. That I don't know. It's a weird question to put because I don't think anyone would agree. Any, I don't think anyone would say yes, mm. right? I think yeah. I think Vibe is just trying to get us to say that America's better. <laughs> right, <Huh. laughs> I think so too. Sophisticated yeah. way. Yeah. Um. And does anyone have a different take on that, or or should we do the second part? I, of that? I feel like that that's pretty much my thought on it too is like there's nothing wrong with looking to other countries for guidance Hmm. but it shouldn't just be like it should be on a case-by-case basis like if there's something that happens that you can learn from learn from it but i don't think that like we necessarily need to ask each other like how am i supposed to run my country (laughs) yeah that doesn't seem to make sense so no definitely not um and the second part of it fresh what was it again um and then do other countries have um more of a like uh do, do countries that uh, do Western countries lack a purpose in life that other countries have a bigger part of their culture have have had for hundreds or thousands of years? So, do we in the West lack um, a purpose in life? 
So I feel like um, <laughs> Vibe was on our spirituality versus materialism podcast last week and i feel like um he's still in that mindset because this is this is like similar to what we talked about and i was and i was still a big fan of saying that we um because our government systems are set up um based on economy and a lot of emphasis is put on economy and material wealth um we do lack a lot of spirituality and a lot of culture and a lot of um, philosophical um thinking i think in in the west because we we live day to day and we've um in some ways we reduce a lot of uh, tasks and things to, to um, the purpose goes out of things because of the way that capitalism works in a way. So we got to, we got to constantly be thinking about that. And, um, and so I kind of agree that it's, that there's less, but I also um, think that Western countries are amazing. Like so many people um, like you, you just, just looking at who wants to move to these countries that they're, they're like great countries to live in. <laughs> yeah. I, I definitely find myself missing that culture, that depth of culture, because of just the amount of time that we've existed. You know what I mean? Like when you, when, when you go to like, when you travel and you go to like Italy, you know, and you, you've got thousands and thousands and thousands of years of like um, buildings and culture and just, it's so much richer and I find it super interesting. And I come to Australia and I'm like, oh, look at this building from like 50 years ago. You know, like not 50 years ago, like a hundred years ago. It's not, it, I definitely <laughs> miss that in, um, in Australia, but then obviously, um, the, the, yeah, I'm trying to get, you try to get that like sense of identity and, and stuff from the Aboriginal culture that was living here before mm. the Western culture kind of showed up. So, but I don't know. Yeah. I don't, I'm not really sure. I think um, it's an interesting question. It's so open-ended because yeah. um, so like do Western countries like purpose in life that other countries have? And I think it depends on how you want to take that. Do you mm. want to think of it as a corporate body, as a country um, from a population point of view, or do you want to look at it from a governmental point of view? Because I think there's, there's not too many governments that have retained any sense of culture um, that their history has, at least outside looking in um that doesn't mainly retain like their oppression i guess like a lot of those countries that especially through like eastern asia and things like that um that i guess have culture as a really central influence of so their governance have generally used it to suppress somebody and continue to do so mm. um and so it's kind of more, are we talking about like the individual people and the culture that they bring on a personal basis? And, and, and maybe we do, but I think um, maybe when I say we, maybe Australia does, I guess, lack some culture, but I'm not sure that, that really determines a lack of purpose. Mm. I think... Um... I I think that it doesn't um, determine a lack of purpose, but um, but I see danger in um in just just striving for this material wealth that we get sold, you know. But from a, I guess that's what I'm saying from a government point of view. If you, if you're looking at like what controls each country, west or east, uh, you know, they're all pretty well the same. They just use different guidelines. Like there's not mm. too many people that are looking back at what they did a thousand years ago and saying we should continue on this path because it did our country well back then. Yeah, definitely. 
Exactly. <clears throat> so we just gotta keep mindful of it, I guess. All right, I feel like we need to wrap up. We've been going a long time. Sorry, guests. That, yeah, we we usually don't go this long. It, the uh, conversation, so you have been amazing, guests. Yeah, That's why yeah, the conversation was so good. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, so, uh, shall okay. we go? Um, maybe we can reviews? start. Oh, yeah, I forgot about beer reviews. I actually beer I did review. jump in on that. Yeah, he about went in. in. He so. jumped in. All right. He jumped hey. in. Awesome. Uh, who wants to go? I'll go first. Yep. Uh, just because mine is going to be pretty quick. So, um, I feel like i'm going to take a pass on reviewing my beer um because i am incredibly hungover and i did partake i managed to get through one beer i like i enjoyed it but like i just know that like my sense is completely off because i can still i still feel like ridiculously hungover (laughs) and drinking it is like as much as i can i tell i can tell that it's like a nice beer i still feel like kind of ill um, <laughs> while drinking it so i'm gonna take a pass on rating this one uh it was the okay. other side anthem uh, i'll probably i'll probably drink it again on another podcast maybe okay. next week mm-hmm. um but uh yeah this is what i was drinking it's not its fault but i didn't enjoy myself <laughs> not its fault <laughs> not its fault all right uh roxy do you want to go next interesting one. uh yeah i'll go next so the to remind everybody, this was the gotta get up to get down coffee milk stout, um, Wise Acre Brewing Company out of Memphis, Tennessee, and it is a five percent alcohol. Um, very, I guess I'm doing the whole shebang, right? Appearance, taste, drinkability. Yep. Yeah, yeah, so yep. appearance, I would definitely give this, I guess, the highest score possible, which for us is mm. going to be two out of two if we're talking about it. Mm. Um, love the actual artwork on the can. That was really what drew me to the year to start which i don't know if that makes me simple or not but i love it um the actual it's gone now but the actual look in glass is is it's very very dark uh it pours i mean pretty much jet black unless you're holding it up to the light in which there's some hints of red um and the actual head is very very thin just like a light tan and it actually dissipates pretty quickly which i didn't really love but it was uh you know appearance wise um two out of two Nice. Taste. Mm, this is a hard one because um, if you are not a coffee drinker, you don't like coffee, you're probably not going to like this. Um, it is very coffee forward um, mm. and has a very like rich coffee taste. Uh, it's not coffee alone. It does have a nice like bitterness. Um, I, if me personally, I like dark beers and I like coffee a lot, so I would honestly be willing to give it like an eight out of ten. Um, nice. it's a little more bitter than other beers that I've drank, but I mean, it is very, very, very good. Um, just super flavorful. It's, it's a sounding that it's only 5% alcohol and it's mm. got that much flavor. Um, so eight out of 10 for my taste and then yeah. drinkability out of eight. Honestly, I'll probably have to give it like a four, just like mm. 50% because I probably cannot have another one today. If I do, it might have to be later because that was my second one. And I can't see myself drinking like a six pack in a night or being able to just drink this casually. It is kind of heavier, I guess, than other stouts that I've drank before. Um, overall, though, um, kind of tying into drinkability, definitely would buy again easily by a six pack, which I heard you guys talk in the last podcast about a carton. How much uh, is a carton? Yeah. For you uh, yeah, a carton. So it's like 20, usually 24, about 24 beers. Oh, yeah. damn. Yeah. Do you guys um, have cartons? Yeah. 
we call yeah, them cases, but, but like case. four six packs. Four six packs. Come yeah. in a case. Yeah. Okay, yeah. okay, yeah, yeah. Sure, yeah. A six pack is definitely more common for us, um, especially yeah. with a beer like this. It'll just come actually very similarly to Woke. I think your cans come with like with little tops. Mm, um, yeah. That's more popular for us. I I don't ever see these type of crafty yeah. beers coming in a carton. We but, started going that way, to be um, honest. Those those top things I was talking yeah. about that. Yeah. Yeah. We're yeah, starting um, to get like 12 right. packs, but not yeah. really anything bigger than that. Yeah. No, especially when it comes to some of these, like from these are like crap ones. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, overall, good. That's I a fourteen out of twenty. That's a solid, solid score. That's pretty good. It's really, really good. Or I, I like stout, it off, yeah. So, sure, yeah. Events, uh, did you want to do yours? What did you drink? Sure. Um, so about halfway through, I broke into this. So backstory on this cider. Um. It's been sitting in my fridge for about six months now because my old roommate gave it to me and I just didn't have any interest in drinking it. But it was something that I had in my fridge that I could drink and do a review on. So I figured, blind taste test, this is as good a time as any. Um, so I'm drinking a Great Blake's Coffee Infused Hard Cider. Oh, you went the coffee as well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, nice. That's just what was in my fridge. <laughs> but I was looking, I looking to see where it's made and i don't see that anywhere so i don't know maybe i can hmm. look it up and find it later but anyway uh it's it's a weird cider um it's definitely on the drier side as opposed to sweet okay. um and it's it's a very confusing flavor because it's got like the bitterness of the coffee and the bitterness of the cider but mm. it's not a super bitter drink like mm. with the finish i'm very confused by this cider is what i'm trying to say <laughs> yeah i was gonna say as a cider and a coffee i can't even imagine that like yeah. and if i um, i can add to it i didn't mean to interrupt you but this is a perfect yeah, hair of the dog beer yeah yeah to, yeah, to, yeah. To, definitely to with a stout because mm-hmm. it is just yeah it's perfect yeah but continue so, i forgot um about that. so i nice. would say like appearance like um I'm looking at it in a cup, not like a glass. I just wanted to see what the actual color of it looked like. Um, and I mean, it looks like I would expect a cider to look. It's it's nothing fancy. There's not really any head to it when it poured. Um, and it's just like a light amber kind of color. Uh, so uh, nothing crazy. And like the the can itself is okay. But like, I'm, I don't know. I'm not crazy about the artwork. I'd give it like maybe a one. Like, it meets expectations, but it's nothing above and beyond kind of yeah, thing. Yeah. Um, as far as taste, like I said, it's very confusing. Um, it doesn't taste bad, but it doesn't taste great either. Like, this isn't necessarily something I would recommend to someone who doesn't, like, want to try all the co- coffee-infused things specifically. Hmm. Um, you, you would really have to want to dig into this niche to really <laughs> enjoy it, I think. Um, okay. So I would I would probably give it, like, a three or a four on taste we'll say four i'll be generous because it's not not terrible it's just yeah, like not different good yeah yeah um and then drinkability like there's no way i'd be able to drink like even three or four of these oh, in wow. like an afternoon it's 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 too much in a very small can like too much going on flavor wise for mm-hmm. me to be able to get that much down so drinkability i'll probably get like a two mm. <laughs> Like I'm gonna finish this one, so, but 
I'm glad it's the only one I'm finishing. That's a seven. A seven out of yeah, 20. That's, that's, uh, that's, rough. that's yeah, a rough score, mate. That's good. a rough score. <laughs> I won't be buying that one. Professionals here. Professionals. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're, we know oh, yeah, what we're no, talking about. 100%. We, we know. Yeah. All right, Porkins, you're up. I'm drinking a small ale from Colonial Beer Brewing Company. I'm not sure what their stance is on colonization or reservations. <laughs> Colonial. <laughs> uh, got appearance. Can is bland. Color is strong. Good amber color. Taste. It's a good mid-strength. It's probably my favorite. I'm going to give it a 7 out of 10 because... Uh, Mm. Yeah, it's not a full. It's not a full strength. Yeah, it doesn't have all the flavor, yeah. but uh, it's about as good as it gets. And uh, drinkability. Oh, I've had three of these. Oh, that's, <laughs> that's a lot of drinkability. <laughs> I could Minimum have three more. Four. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, apparently I got to go to work in five hours. Um, <laughs> so what do we got? Uh, I could drink it from a can. I could drink it from a glass. I could drink it from a shoe. From my opinion, that's an eight out of eight. Yeah, that's a, that is a, that is a very drinkable. Chewy. Did you do um? Sorry, did you do one for appearance? One out of yeah. yeah okay, yeah. okay. We got sixteen out of twenty right. That's here. good. Sixteen out of twenty. Nice, decent. So, um, that's that's, a, that's a strong, that's a that's a score. strong. Yep. Yeah, yeah. All right, and the last one, I've got the uh, beer farm Indian Pale Lager. I'm sorry, I keep picking green beers because they look so nice, but then the green screen stuffs them up. <laughs> so I picked it because it's weird, right? Um, beer Farm's great beer, but um, IPL, Indian Pale Lager, weird. Um, appearance, uh, so the, I mean, it's pretty bland. It's green. Um, and uh, it, it doesn't, Wait, it's, sorry, it's, very, it's green. Sorry, sorry, no, the, um, the can's green. The appearance of it is really, really light. I was really surprised when I put yeah. it in a glass. It's like super that duper light. Like, like it, yeah. it looks like a cider. It does. So because of that surprise and it, it's got like, yeah, I, I was just, I'm, I'm going to give it, I'm actually going to give it a zero for appearance because I don't like the can. Don't love it in the glass. So I'm giving it a zero appearance. Mm. Um, taste. Okay. I do really like these. Um, I feel like I'm I'm much more of an ale drinker though, especially an IPA drinker. So it, I, I don't love it, but I do really like it. Um, I feel like if you're a lager drinker who's, you know, gone a little bit heavier, going a little bit heartier, you could really get into these. I'm going to give it a 7 out of 10 for taste. And then drinkability, very, very drinkable. Um, because they are... They're not as they're not as heavy as an as an IPA. You could you could easily drink these all night. I'd buy a carton for sure. I'll give it a yeah. I'll give it a seven out of eight for drinkability. What's that nice. for? Cool. 14, Fourteen out of twenty. Not bad. Not bad. Beer yeah. review. Awesome. <laughs> Done. Beer review. Oh, review. Sorry. Gotta get yeah. the timer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we always I do it like so well, how, guys. I like I I actually like how we never do it. I know, I know. It's actually great. <laughs> So I think lastly, um, we can just um, ask you guys, lovely guests, to um, give a bit of a plug to either your channel or what anything you're doing at the moment, something that you would like to say. So shall we start with the newest guest in Roxy? Where can we find you, Roxy? When, when do you stream? What do you sure. do? Uh, you can find me at twitchtv.com slash foxyroxylate underscore. Um, Twitter, Instagram, pretty much exactly the same, foxyroxylate and foxyroxyleteetd. Uh, and they are also down under my panels channel um very very exciting actually next or this upcoming friday i'll be doing a subathon mm -hmm. uh it'll be my first one ever uh to celebrate a year on twitch i'm really excited for that yes. um and so cool. details to come i'm going to post about that on my twitter as well 
Um, but yeah, uh, I try to stream. It's very off for those of you that are in, I guess, Australian time because I'm pretty much almost a whole day behind. Mm. But um, pretty much evenings uh, is the standard for me from an Eastern and Central stand standpoint um, for time zone. So schedule's there and I try to stick to it. If not, I post about it on social. Sweet. Drop me a follow. Thanks. <laughs> and Yvette's... Are you still uh, not? I don't do anything on the internet. You can't find me anywhere. Nice. <laughs> cool. Uh, Polkins? This isn't even really him. It's just an illusion. I'm, uh, I'm not streaming. This is 3D rendering. I'm not intending on streaming. But you uh, so we'll just find... keep shouting out Foxy. Hang on. More for me. That's fine. You can, uh, you can find me in Fresh's stream. Uh, yeah. Yeah. True. Number one yeah, that's mod. True. That's say true. hi. Yeah. And, Number one mod. Um, nice. uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. I also have find me in uh, yep. stream, but uh, I'm not a mod there, so I won't drop in. So don't bother. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, work. Yeah. Uh, I am obviously uh, Mr. Woke TV. Um, I think. Do we have the banners underneath? I think we do. Yeah, right? yeah, we do. Yeah. They're showing. Um, so Mr. Woke at Mr. Woke TV, but I'm Mr. Woke TV on Twitter as well and um, on Instagram. Um, as well as Twitch, I do a weekly stream schedule. So definitely follow my Twitter so that you can find out when I stream. Um, and yeah, you're I'm going to be streaming after this, watching hey. Fortnite World Cup. Nice. Yeah, cheeky. Very nice. Well, guys, it's been hey. it's actually been way too much fun. We've gone so far over time because Man, you're so good so, to talk to. But yeah. yeah, thank you so much for coming um and yeah we'll uh we'll see everyone from chat thank you chat um thank you for follows thank you for everything we'll see you in the next podcast bye 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 guys bye